Material Components Episode 1 Days of the Witch Hello, and welcome to Material Components, the real play RPG show all about intelligent items and the adventurers who love them. I'm your dungeon master, Mike Gargoni. Joining me as always, well, at least for the first time, are my stalwart adventurers. Uh, welcome everybody to the inaugural episode. Hello. Howdy, howdy. Thanks for watching. As this is our first episode, I think it is only due and proper for us to go around the table. The virtual table. Virtual table, and yeah. int introduce ourselves. Um, I, of course, as I just said, am Mike Ergoni of Panel on Panels fame. Uh, if you're coming from that particular podcast, welcome. There I talk about comic books, and then John and Donovan get mad at me when I talk about D&D. They're not here right now. <laughs> this is unbridled. Oh, yeah. So, our stalwart players, I think we'll pitch it off in a... Let's see... Alphabetical order by last name. Go. Wow, this is totally unexpected. Mm. I am Olivia Gray. Um, I'm an actor and uh, creative genius uh, here in Portland. Um, I'm pretty new to D&D. I played it a little bit as a kid, but not anything that would be memorable or noteworthy, um, and I'm now just getting back into it. So, that's me. I feel honored. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I'm Cassie Lewis. Uh, call me Cass. Uh, this is my seventh time playing D&D, &D, counting on, you know, just individual times. Uh, I just started playing tabletop RPGs last year, um, and... Now I'm in a podcast. <laughs> Funny how that works. To, um, to be fair, Cass, one of those D&D games was like an 18-hour super session. And I won. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a fucking crash course right there. That's a crash course. It was the, the second time. Because I think I, yeah. Uh, uh, I'm a graphic designer and artist by trade. Um, and I do dabble a little bit in acting and you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, if you want to fight me about anything, you can find me on Twitter at Schrodinger's Cass. That is S-C-H-R-D-N-G-R-S Cass, because Twitter one wouldn't let me have all the vowels. That's Twitter for you, hoarding all the vowels. Uh, my name is Michael Lissman. Uh, I am an actor as well. Um, this is not my first time playing D&D. I've done one other campaign in 5th edition, and then I played a little bit of 4th edition, uh, and I've done some other tabletop RPGs. A shitload of Serenity. That's true. We actually completed a full campaign. It was very good. Um, uh, still think about it fondly to this day. So, uh, Hi, everyone. I'm, uh, I'm Reed Morris. Uh, I am a Portland-based actor and 
barista, but I don't like to talk about that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As I say, with uh, we'll we'll fix it in post. We'll have whatever company I'm working for right here on on the mug. No, we won't. Uh, yeah, no, we won't. That's extra work, and I don't feel like doing that. And neither does Mike. Um, you can uh, you can find me online at uh, readamorris.com if you all want to find my my actor's bio and all that fun stuff. Because shameless plug. Um, I am pretty new to the whole D&D thing. Uh, we've done a little bit of Pathfinder, um, which was lots of dice rolling, and I'm bad at math, so let's, let's not do any of that. Strap in. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, other than that, we, uh, we play a Dresden Files campaign uh, that Mike uh, uh, DMs for us, which is always super fun and, and hits really close to home. So, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's me. Hey, everyone. And as I said before, I am Mike Ergoni, your humble dungeon master. I have been running games of Dungeons & Dragons for well over a decade now. Uh, Lisman has been involved in quite a few of those. Uh, Reed's been involved in one or two as well, and as has Cass. And, but Olivia is a first-timer, so welcome to my pain. Um, <laughs> but... Yeah, we are going to be launching this uh, show right about now. So we have our characters ready. We have the world is bubbling in my old think meet here. So <laughs> let us start things off by throwing over to the map. Hey, map, what are you up to? Oh, hey, there's the map. So, yes, we begin now in the Tempest Rest Valley one of the only safe places left in the world. 500 years ago, the world that the mortal races knew was consumed when magic went mad. Now, everywhere beyond the Tempest Rest has been destroyed, run over, and all in all thrown into chaos by something called the Outer Storm. Within the valley, things are safe and quiet, relatively speaking, between the larger towns, there is still danger to be had. Things from time to time do seep in from outside the Stormwall Mountains, but thankfully, the magic of the old mage keeps the valley safe. The four of you have lived in the valley your entire lives. You do not know anything different, though you have many varied walks of life, because the valley is a big and bold place. There is every type of environment you could imagine, from the drylands to the west, to the thick eastwood, to the, well, east. To the shores of Lake Quelio to the north, to the dwarven mines of Srothheim to the south. At the center of it all is the massive metropolis of Stormhaven, the first city of the Tempest Rest. There is a bustling community run by guilds of every stripe and flavor, because the center of the power of the Tempest Rest is a thing called the Forge Bond. It is a connection that all sapient races have within the valley, some deep connection to an item of some kind. It transcends the base and petty connections some have with different magics, like, say, warlocks, read, it's fine. <laughs> and, helps, and helps to shape those who live in the valley into strong and capable folk who can survive even despite the fact that the rest of the world has gone 
and fallen into chaos. Once a year, there is a festival within Stormhaven called the Maker Festival, where artisans, guild workers, and craftsfolk of all kinds gather into the city to show off their wares in the hopes that the next generation of people will find their forge-bonded item amongst the cacophony of the festival. The festival lasts for five days every year, and as we slowly descend into the valley into the bustle and sturm and drang of Stormhaven, we find our four players here somewhere within the city, specifically the Dustwater District, where we see a young half-elven man creeping through the crowd. Listen, if you could please describe your character. Um, as uh, Mike said, my character is half-elf. Um, he has a, sort of a do- uh, dark auburn hair, um, like glowing, almost iridescent golden eyes um, from his uh, elven ancestry. Uh, he is at this point about 15. Um, he is uh, wearing um, not great clothing. Uh, he, he has like a tattered uh, shirt that it's not quite uh, burlap material, but maybe a little bit better. Um, he is wearing uh, pants that are probably too large for him. Um, he has his uh, hands and forearms wrapped in bandages. Uh, and the nicest thing that he is currently wearing is a leather vest um, where he got it from. I mean, I mean, he's, he stole it from someone. Um, <laughs> let's be honest, it looked so nice and he wanted it. Um, and so now he has it. Um, is, so is that the nicest thing he is wearing? That is currently the nicest thing he is wearing. In terms of well, clothing. In terms of clothing. Um, because he also has a very fancy looking rapier at his uh, waist. Um, the, uh, the, the handguard sort of um, rotates around the, the handle in a way that emulates a, um, like a hurricane or a large storm. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I think that's, uh, pretty much, yeah. pretty much what my character was saying. So the time of the Maker Festival is a very fruitful one for a person in your position, having to live off of the leavings of the street or whatever you can manage to grab off of the waste pouches of passerbys. Oh, yeah. And you find yourself leaning towards one such victim now i mean often they they look like they can they can handle not you know having the the money that i'm taking from them you know it's true. if they're if they look a little bit i mean they're coming here to spend their money they're going to spend it on useless crap anyways so why not give it to me because i need to eat and eating's important it's absolutely true <laughs> so you're currently following a large male-plated woman who is tromping through the crowd, mm-hmm. a a younger woman scuttling along at her side, and you can see this massive purse resting at her hip. You At the opposite hip, you do see the large, intimidating adamantine warhammer, 
And if you manage to steal that, you could live fat and happy for a couple of years, let's be honest. Sure. Yeah. Both are inviting targets because the clank of her armor covers much of the sound of your approach. Ooh, okay. Well, um, as much as I would love to try and sell that hammer to somebody, um, I think it'd be a little bit more convenient to just take the coin purse. Um, so I'm going to sneak up and try and do that. Okay. I am going to need a sleight of hand roll. And as you make your approach, the Mm -hmm. whispered voice at your hip from your rapier says, regrettable. Oh, shut up. I need this to eat, yo. Um, Okay. I got an 11. 11 is not bad. It doesn't quite beat her 17 perception check, though. So as your hand strays towards the pouch at her belt... A mailed gauntlet snaps down and grabs your wrist. Uh, and okay. Uh, hey, whoa, come on, man. I'm just like, uh, I'm just trying to get past you, okay? I'm just pushing you out of the way because you're taking up the whole, the whole road. And this woman now you can see who has grabbed your wrist begins pulling you upward and upward and upward, and it's. Pretty quick you realize that this woman is a solid towering 6'5", and as your toes dangle off the ground and your arm is twisted up out of your socket, she stares you directly in the face, and you recognize this woman. Yeah? I, I recognize her? You do. Where do, I, where do I recognize her from? Give me a history check. <laughs> okay. That's going to be real good. Oh, hey. 16. This was one of your mother's friends. This is Netta. Uh, huh. Okay. Uh, Does she look like she recognizes me? The woman who is currently holding you looks Mm -hmm. at you with disdain, not recognition. Okay. But the young girl behind her I am going to need to describe herself and roll a history check. Okay. Uh, that would be Tirza, Neta's ward. Um, she is uh, very, very small for her age. Uh, she's a 12-year-old girl, um, but probably like in the four foot nine region. I guess that's not super small for a 12 year old. Eh. Um, she has dark, dark hair, which is cut short in one of those little Joan of Arc bobs. Very cute. Um, she has dark brown eyes, which have been just like looking around in absolute wonderment at all of this crazy stuff. Um, she because she's never seen this many people before or seen anything like this before. Um, she's wearing very very simple uh, ro- uh, robes, not unlike um, the robes that initiates initiate nuns wear. Um, but they're instead of white, they're going to be kind of a, a sandy, champagneish color. Um, 
she has strapped to her back a huge black shield, like too big for her, it looks like. This is um, clearly a shield that she will have to grow into. Yep. Uh, that is in the shape of a giant coiled snake with blue eyes uh, right in the center there. Um, she also um, is wearing a cloak that doesn't really go with the rest of what she's wearing. Um, it's a dark, dark purple. Um, and it also looks too big for her. It looks heavy and rich. And the rest of her clothing is like very simple and very um, like modest. And then she's got this big, beautiful, like purple cloak on. <laughs> That's him maybe drags in the dirt a little bit. Uh oh. Oh, For... it totally does, and he's not happy about it. Though, uh, as I... he rests on your shoulder, there is a sense of pride that comes from the cloak. Good. Aw. Uh, <laughs> I just rolled an 18. Rolled a what? Uh, an 18. Oh, no, I'm so sorry, a 17. 17 is still pretty good. You definitely recognize the scrawny child that your mentor is dangling in the air, and it looks like in about half a second she is going to bring down her other gauntleted fist right into this poor little cut purse's face. But you recognize this child as Sid, Angela's son. Can I start uh, shouting, uh, help, I'm being abducted! <laughs> Uh, Tirza uh, grabs onto Neta's punching arm. Um, <laughs> punching arm. Uh, that there's her punching arm. <laughs> you don't want to know what her other um, arm's for. Grabbing scrawny little kids like you. Yeah. Apparently. The grabbing arm and the punching arm. <laughs> um, and he says uh Please, please, Neta. Spare him. It, you know he can't help it. Yeah, I got the itch. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, The hell I do. These street rats need to be taught a lesson. Well, I think, I think that I've already learned that lesson. Uh, uh, and I think that if you let me go, uh, I'll turn my whole way around and I won't steal anymore. How about that? And as you say that, we cut away to a pale individual standing, I don't know, I would say maybe not disgusted with his surroundings, but certainly taken aback by the the riotous course of the festival. Reed, if you'll introduce your character. Um, a very... No, I don't want to say tall, but, uh, you know, six, six footish, you know, larger than your average person. Uh, very pale. Some would say albino, a hobgoblin. It stands, uh, not too far away. Um, he's got like dark hair. Um, it's kind of matted to him because he doesn't look very clean because he's not. Um, he's got like, piercing green eyes and he has just a grimace on his face at all times he's he's not happy um 
he stands with tattered clothing, some of its leather, some of its cloth. Um, he wears a, a kind of a cowl over the top of his head because the sun is harsh on very fair-skinned individuals. Um, and on his back, he has a massive, just square blade of a great sword. It's huge. It's it's it looks like it would be too heavy for him. Um, and uh, yeah, he sees the the actions uh, across the uh, the way and kind of thinks uh, to himself like, oh yeah, that kid's gonna get the crap beat out of him, <laughs> um, and that doesn't doesn't bother him at all. In fact, it makes him like grimace just a little bit, like like. Or not grimace. Uh, grin is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> There's a two opposite things. Yeah. 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 For a hobgoblin, maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> um, glancing away from that spectacle, you glance back towards what had originally caught your attention, and that was the stall being set up by the stragglers of the caravan you had followed into town. A skinny man with a white and black capuchin monkey sitting on his shoulder, is helping put out the wares of a burly half-orc, her leather gauntleted hands handling just armfuls of swords and uh, armor and metal plating and very fine, elaborate-looking jewelry in a chest that she's placing gingerly out towards the front of the stall. And nearby, what had originally caught your attention was the presence of a young tiefling. Um... The presence of those two has made me both, uh, like, give me a sense of, like, ease and tension at the same time. It's like seeing kind of a friend that you kind of remember their name just a little bit, but you haven't seen him for a while. Um, so you feel awkward, and that added to the, like, sense of being a fish out of water in a massive sprawling metropolis. Uh, Crawl decides to, uh, like, skirt his way through, like, this, the resemblance of a crowd over to the, the, the capuchin and, and the man helping the, the two of them set up their wares. All right. Um, as you approach, uh, Cass, if you would show off your character and also give me a perception roll. Yeah. Um, so, uh, the tiefling is, uh, Cherish. She is 13 at this point, and she has uh, kind of kind of straight, slightly curved back, twisting horns. Um, her, her eyes are like a bright, bright, like, ochre color, and they sort of glow. You can't really tell, obviously, in the daytime, but um, her skin is a, like, dusty purple color. Uh, one might call it Taubman's Cherry Buff. Oh my god, you looked it up. <laughs> <laughs> or hex code B858C for anyone wondering. <laughs> very specific. We, we all were. <laughs> yes. I, was, I was very curious. Um, and she has these uh, marks on her that look a lot like freckles and they are uh, they, but they also look like gold flecks. Like if you had gold flecks for for freckles, <laughs> like if somebody dumped a bottle of gold schlager all over you, yeah. <laughs> but in a more like freckly, cute pattern. Yeah. Mm. Um, 
she is wearing like a really simple cotton shirt and uh probably like a vaguely heavy material skirt. Uh, I think at this point she's making her own clothes. Um, you know, Calkin did her best, but she she's not used to dealing in such soft materials. It's fine though. She did her best. Um, and uh, that is a 10. A 10? Mm-hmm. So, it was not a hard check to notice the uh, altercation happening not far away from where Kalkin is setting up her booth. Uh, it is already near midday, so the first day of the Maker Festival is already well underway. There are people hawking their wares. There are groups of children being shuttled through the street so that their forge-bonded item might call out to them from one of these stalls. And as Kalkin is hastily setting up her swords and uh, armor and shields, you notice the armored figure dangling this small boy in the middle of the street. And do I do I see Tirza? That is the first thing you see. Okay. Um, do I recognize Sid? Give me a history roll. Fourteen. You recognize the face as very familiar, but you can't place it. Okay. But yes, you see well, Tirza right away. Uh, since I presumably haven't seen Tirza since we were both seven, six, seven, eight. It's been um, a few years. Yeah, I'm gonna. I'm very excited, and I'm gonna jump down and just sort of book it over there. And Kalkon, the half-orc blacksmith, shouts out, Cherish, don't go far! I'll be right back! Grawl, you wander over the, over towards the stall as the tiefling girl dances off into the crowd. Uh, and as you sidle up towards the, the skinny man, he's got weather-worn tan skin, sort of hawkish features. He's maybe going bald, but he's cut time and age to the chase by shaving his entire head. He's wearing what looks like almost a, a gi with the sleeves that have been ripped off. It might once have been white, but it has faded to a tarnished gray and black. Um, and as he, you come up beside him, he is hanging up a sign that says, uh, Kalkon Blacksmithery in association with Duskwalker Import and Export TM. You don't know what the TM stands for. No. Um, uh, forgive me. I, I I don't have a character voice for Grawl yet. He is it's he, okay. He my will man. develop. He will develop as characters do. Uh, it's called puberty. <laughs> you you know uh, somehow I think Grawl is past that point. Um, you know how goblins work. Yeah, you know that's that's how I think. Yeah. Um, uh, Grawl is going to ask uh, this this shaved headed individual um what is going on uh uh what uh what is all of this and he's motioning just like to so, everything yeah what is what because grawl has no idea because yeah all grawl knows is as you've wandered into town you've seen these thoroughfares of booths and storefronts that 
presumably were empty beforehand begin to fill up with all of these tradesmen and artisans showing off millions of different items. As far as you can see, there is a, a vendor showing off something that they have made, whether it be a sword or armor or shields or jewelry or clothing, tools of every stripe and variety, every little piece or bauble or utilitarian item that you can imagine it is being shown off in just a hodgepodge bazaar as far as your eyes can see and as far as you know you haven't even entered the interior walls of the city yet you are simply on the outskirts of stormhaven and so as you ask what is all of this a wide smiling face turns towards you with might as well be dollar signs in his eye and he says, what is this? My pale friend, this is the Maker Festival. Where have you been my entire life? I mean, your entire life. It's fine. <laughs> I'm not laughing. Uh, yeah, I'm just... Uh, uh, and he points just out the door. Because, like, like, the, like the, the thoroughfare that he took... Uh, 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 into the city, he just points in that general direction, like, there. Ah, yes, there, there is always not here, is it not? Yes. <laughs> My friend, what uh, brings you to this location? What brings you to the Maker Festival that you have not come before? He points to his head, um, and he just says, the voices. <laughs> The bald figure slowly takes a step backwards and says, Oh, yes. Um, good. Well, uh, do you have any, um, coin on you that you might be able to, uh, spe spend here at the maker? No. Okay. Um, right. Well, uh, what, what brings you here other than the voices? I maybe shouldn't have asked that. He sort of like tenses up. Yeah, uh, this guy's oh, trying man. to be as friendly as possible, but is super weirded out by you. Um, <laughs> that's fine. Uh, I I I know I know the little one, and and then I point to uh, uh the the half orc half orc half orc half orc okay the the half orc uh, blacksmith, and she sort of comes to a stop as she looks up, seeing this conversation happening, and she says, "You." You're the, you're, hobgoblin. Yeah, that. Um, what wh what did you say your name was again? Grawl. Grawl. Yeah, that's right. Um, Omatep. This is Grawl. He uh collapsed on our doorstep. I guess Cherish found him, and we helped nurse him back to health. And Omatep uh, goes, "Oh, okay." Uh. That's cool. Um, <laughs> um, uh, Gr Grawl will bow his head in like in respect to uh, um, the the half work, um, and and will offer up um, similar to like uh, you know with uh, apes that know the sign language, they offer up the hand. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, he's going to do the same thing. Um, <laughs> And 
Kalkan, the half-orc, and Omatep, the skinny man with the monkey, will exchange a very nervous look with each other, just like, what is this, is he? And very gingerly with her leather-gloved hand will just, like, give you the lightest of high fives. (laughs) And then withdraw her hand. Yeah, um, Grawl will stand up and then start walking away. That's all he needed. I am no longer in anyone's debt. <laughs> oh, is that all it takes? Mm-hmm. That's the end of I have, been, I have been given permission. Thank you. Cherish. Mm-hmm. You rush over to Tears' side. And then? Uh, well, I was going to say, I was going to say, so like, the last time that Tears and I hung out, it wasn't like allowed. Um, so <laughs> yeah, it was it was mildly frowned upon by the religious yeah, order yeah. that raised Tears. That's all. Just a just a little. Um, so I know that Eta probably won't be happy to see me. So I think I stop like in the center, like in the at the edge of the crowd, and I try to get Tears' attention, <laughs> like. Titi! Titi! Do I have to make a roll to see if I get that or not? Tirza, you hear this harsh stage whisper over the the, the roar of the crowd a little bit, but you're currently hanging on to Netta's smashing hand that is threatening to smash. Um, I... I think she whips around and, like, tries to see where it's coming from, but is still holding on. <laughs> okay. Uh, Netta is going to attempt to shake you off. I need you to make a strength saving throw. I just botched. Sorry. When you say oh. botched... Uh, no, sorry. I meant that it landed on its side. Okay. Bye. I just rolled a four. Cool. That's almost as good as a botch. I'm sorry, Fessman. So, with a a shake of her gauntleted arm, you go tumbling to the dirt. Cherish, you see this happening. And, Sid, what do you do just before a gauntleted fist smashes you in the face? Um, she has me by the arm, right? Yes. I unravel the wrap that is on my uh, wrist to try and, like, break loose. Um, okay. Give me a sleight of hand check. Nice. <laughs> uh, 26. Yeah, okay. So, right as the male gauntlet comes swinging in for your beautiful half-elven features, <laughs> all that's left in her grip is that an unspooling of wrap as you slip straight down and land, like, splayed legs, one hand on the ground, facing her, basically in a sprinter stance, ready to get the fuck away from this crazy chainmail-laden woman. Yeah, I wouldn't mind using the disengage action and getting the fuck out of there. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, you absolutely do that, and you just sprint away into the crowd. Yeah. So, can, I, can I just say that I'm on the ground like, that was so cool. <laughs> so, Tears, I... 
I've never seen anyone beat Nathan before. Yep, that's what I did. <laughs> Bested her in combat. <laughs> so, Sid, you flee off into the crowd for greener pastures. Yes. Tirza, you see the face of the boy you recognize from your youth sprinting off into the crowd, disappearing into the maelstrom of activity that is Stormhaven at the moment. And it's at that point that you hear Cherish's urgent stage whispering. Uh, yeah, I look, I look to Cherish, see her. Do, again, do I have to make a roll to see her? No, this no? is easy. Cool. Okay. You purple. <laughs> you have not met many tieflings in your life. Fair, yeah. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, I think she like gets up off the ground and sees her and runs to her and is like, "Cherish! Oh my gosh!" Um, and then remembers that Neta is behind her and like does a quick little like, "Oh, is this okay?" But then forgets about that and grabs Cherish and hugs her. Yay, we're hugging. Yay! So we have this delightful little scene of these young women grabbing each other in recognition and love, and then just this wall of shadow rising up behind you <laughs> as the armored form of Netta, her eyes gleaming with a soft blue light of fury and holy vengeance stares down at the two of you and says, Tirza, would you care to introduce me? Oh, you know me. Yes, Neta. Uh, this is... You this is are the little tiefling girl from the lake. Mm-hmm. Hmm. What are the odds? I'm not sure. Her, her eyes, like some pendulum of doom, sweep back over to you, Tirza. I think I shrink uh, under that disappointment and rage. Um, and you feel the feeling from your cloak disappointed as you shrink away from this conflict. Um, yeah, I think that only makes it worse. Oh no! Um, uh, I'm sorry, Neta. It won't happen again. The purpose of the Hajri is for you to learn, not reconnect with individuals from your past. I don't know how you managed to set up this meeting. It is quite beyond me. Cherish has been, like, staring at Neta, like, making eye contact this whole time, and not blinking. Mm -hmm. Just very, like, like, she's smiling and she's being polite, but she's like, please go away and you're mean. <laughs> she's not happy with this situ how the situation's going. Uh, and I think Tears was like, no, 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 I didn't, I didn't set this up. This was completely by chance, I swear. And Netta will consider the two of you, and I'm going to need some kind of persuasion roll from one or both of you to, to convince her that this isn't some 
Machiavellian scheme of yours to reconnect <laughs> with an outsider. Huh. I rolled a nine. Landed on the side. Hold on. I'm gonna figure out a better way to roll this. There's got to be a better way. Cherish is yours intimidation. Are you trying to intimidate her with your not blinking? <laughs> um uh no, but uh I did roll a fifteen persuasion and I think I say something like it's a little bit snarky. I say something like I know that Titi hasn't gotten any of my letters because she hasn't Ooh. Um So the the arcane flower you wear over your hand, that piece of jewelry with the five glowing gems, says in a in a dull voice in your mind, yes. And as Netta looks down at you with utter disdain, she says, Tirza has a duty to this valley. To even the likes of you. She does not have time for such dalliances. You said duty and I run away. No. That's really good, though. That's really good, though. I think you should use that. That's a good one. Um, no, I think I say, I say, some, I just smile and, uh, uh, and I just say, well, I do hope I see her again. She won't be at the con- at the convent forever. And I walk away. And there's a, a moment of sort of quiet fury on Netta's part as she watches the tiefling girl retreat and doesn't say anything because you're not wrong. Part of this Hajri, this journey to the outer world, is so that Tirza will not be unprepared for the duty of protecting the valley and the folk in it. <laughs> oh, I do think I give Tirza's hand a squeeze before I leave. Oh. Grawl, where are you going after your interaction with Kalkan? Uh, after the interaction, I am going after the, uh, the tiefling because there were two people that helped me and I require permission from the second party. <laughs> so as Cherish, as you're heading back towards your mother's stall, a another figure looms in front of you, this deathly pale specter of a hobgoblin with a huge, what color is the sword? Like what color is the blade? Oh, I mean, it, I imagine it to be like just like gunmetal. Yeah, gray. That's what I always thought too. Uh, yeah, darker than darker than your average sword, but it's not, it's not black. Sure. It's not no, like, that would yeah, be. It's not that anime. Too cliche. Yeah. I was say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So yes, a, a a figure out of your past steps in to shadow the light being cast by the sun. This figure seems to have gained a lot more of a presence since last you interacted with Grawl. His stance is a little taller, his body more 
full of meat, for lack of a better term. He's not this skinny wretch that you dragged out of the desert before. And, of course, there is this gigantic great sword now strapped to his back. <laughs> yes, it is metal as hell, Reed. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, Grawl! Can I give you a hug? I put out the hand. I give him a hug. <laughs> Ignoring the hand, Cherish lunges in for a full-bodied hug. Hey, uh, Grawl goes to like, may, like think he's going to be attacked, but then realizes <laughs> what it is, and uh, the hands go up in the air. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't know how what this is really. Uh, he's seen this action before, before, but I don't. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't know. He doesn't understand is. the ritual of the physical yeah, hug. What it, yeah, he doesn't even know what to call this. <laughs> Some sort of embrace. He doesn't know. It, it is a full body grapple. <laughs> oh, 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 the wrestling. Okay. <laughs> his stance widens more and he's dropping his center of gravity. Oh, uh, Cherish pulls back and uh, she says, You're looking so good. I, I got a sword. Mm hmm. It's really cool. Um, and he puts his hand out again. All right. Well, I have to go sell my jewelry. I'll see you later. <laughs> but, and then he points at the hand. <laughs> Did you get a new like ring or something? No, he's bowing. He bows <laughs> deeper, and he's like, just, I need you to. She's just staring at you, unblinking, <laughs> confused, like sort of head cocked to one side. <laughs> it's kind of creeping Grawl out the fact that you're not blinking every time he looks up to like you're gonna get it this time. Come... And a, a self-satisfied voice in your mind, Cherish, says, yes. <laughs> Wait, in my head, not from my thing? I mean, it communicates telepathically, yes? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, I just have no idea what's going on. Well, I... My mom told me not to go too far away, so I should probably get back. It was good to see you. Grawl gives a wave, um, and then, like, turns to, like, walk away, but doesn't move. He just kind of just... <laughs> just pivots. <laughs> <laughs> He's like the NPC in town who you talk to, so it pivoted towards you, but actually yeah, doesn't yeah. have a movement track, so it just pivots back to its original orientation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sid, as you're fleeing away through town, what is your next destination? Well, that was not great. It was not a very successful um, attempt. Uh, and you did say that I rec I did recognize uh, Neta. Is that is that correct? Oh, absolutely. You recognized her yeah. as one of your mother's friends. Um, they yeah, they visited find, on a semi-regular basis. I'm going to find like an alleyway to like sort of uh, kind of refocus a, a bit because I nearly got punched by a very large scary woman um, and I, I have to like think like that was definitely her I'm, I'm almost talking to my sword at this point it's like that was that was her right and your sword says out loud indeed hmm and then I, I'm, I'm not like super far 
from there. Um, but no. I think I'm, uh, I'm going to like peek my head out back towards that direction and just be like, and kind of like spy on them, I guess. Okay. Um, and as and you I, see the crowd moving, you see uh, it's really hard to miss Netta. She stands out a little bit. Um, yeah. And there's an aura of confidence and assuredness that sort of parts the crowd around her. She is like a yeah. stone in the middle of the river of people. And they just move slightly out of her way to walk yeah. past. No one is jostling Netta. Um, but you see this armored woman staring uh, in the opposite direction of you, off towards a small stand where a young tiefling is dancing away through the crowd back towards the stand w- towards a half-orc that you also recognize. Hmm. And the half-orc is Kalkon, yet another of your mother's friends. She is the one who forged Stormpiercer. Hmm. So she would have some pretty good weapons then. this can be assured you know that any young noble who passed through your mother's dueling academy got a sword upon their graduation that sword was forged by Calcon out in the drylands and imported to Stormhaven great Um, okay I'm going to just kind of like just be a part of the crowd I mean I don't think they did, did was I aware of Calcon uh, seeing me at all? Or no, absolutely not. Okay, great. Um, so I'll just kind of like... and, and by that I mean you were not aware of them seeing you if they in fact did. Yeah, I was um, <laughs> a little focused on uh, the giant fist. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to try and sneak over that way um, and see if maybe because um, Neta's he- heading heading away from from there. I want to make sure she's gone. <laughs> she is turning back down towards the young girl and at her side and saying, you need to avoid rabble like her and the boy. She's, they are distractions. You should not concern yourselves with growing close to individuals out in the world can be dangerous. This is a lesson you will have to learn sooner rather than later. But Neta, is it not our duty to protect these people? And the best way... The best way to protect them is to be close to them, right? Give me an insight check. Oh man, I am rolling like garbage. Nine. Nice. You see her staring past you towards where Cherish went to and then shaking her head and turning her back on the stall and saying no, that is not the best way. And she starts moving away down the thoroughfare towards the center of the city, expecting you to follow. Again. <laughs> and Sid, you see the large, scary woman moving away through the crowd. Well, that's good. Um, I'm going to wait until 
he's definitely not within <laughs> safe range. <laughs> Out of grabbing range. Yeah. Um, and then once, well, ha- has she left yet? Yeah, she's actively moving away. She's actively moving away. Um, I'm gonna start to like, as uh, nonchalantly as possible, like work my way uh, through the crowd, sort of around, so I can sort of get behind where this uh, booth is. Okay. Yeah. So you're stealing around the crowd, trying to remain unobtrusive. Yeah. I'm gonna need a stealth roll then. Great. Um, that's gonna be fifteen. Cool. We'll get back to you. Grawl, Tirza, Cherish, what are you up to? Yeah, I'm probably also going to have to give you a stealth check, because I'm going to try to give her the slit. I've nice. done it before. <laughs> okay, give me a stealth yeah. roll. Oh boy, that is a... Oh, I have disadvantage. <laughs> That's a 10. Which beats her three in perception. What? So she is clearly distracted by whatever just occurred and more expecting you to follow and not necessarily paying that close attention. So if you simply wait where you are as she moves through the crowd, the crowd quickly envelops behind her. (laughs) And while you can still see the top of her head moving through the crowd in the distance, it doesn't take long before you are well behind her and in all probability completely invisible to her eyes. I'm very small and I don't think people are giving me the same birth. (laughs) No, they are not. If anything, you can feel feet treading on the trim of the cape, and a oh, no. sense of disappointment begins flooding your mind. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so to that, I'm going to scoop up the edge of the cape and, like, kind of tuck it around. Like, I, I imagine she has, like, a belt, and it's just going to be kind of shoved into the belt. <laughs> And then I'm going to go over to the booth. <laughs> All right. As you're walking towards the booth, you passed a albino person of some stripe or flavor in a deep cloak wearing a huge sword, just staring awkwardly into the middle distance. Uh, I think I almost run into him, and I go, oh, I'm so sorry, sir. Have a uh, nice day. And then walk past. Uh, in, in, in the moment that uh, the, like, interaction happened, like, the, the slight bump brawlets out, like, a, a, a short, like, snarl, just just, like, like not like a hiss or, like, a big, like, like growl, just, like, a low rumble. Um, people touching him is not his favorite. Then I'm but. gonna change that. It's more of a, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Have a nice day. And then she goes <laughs> scary. Yeah. In fact, people are giving him a bit of a wide berth in a different way than Netta in that there's a, an aura of respect around her and like, oh, we don't want to get in her way. There's more of a, I don't know what's up with this guy and I don't want him to touch me sort of way around Grawl. Have there, uh, curious, have there been any other like hobgoblins in, like, have I seen any? Is there anyone or is it all humans, elves, dwarves? 
You've seen a small troop of hobgoblins move past very quickly off in the distance. It's very easy to mark them against the cityscape of Stormhaven, as opposed to in the drylands where their reddish skin tends to blend into the rocks and the sand of the wastelands out there. Here they stand out pretty brightly against the the grays and the whites and the blues of the city. So you you manage to catch a few of them in the distance. They're not an unknown sight here, but they're not necessarily as prevalent as, say, humans or dwarves or elves. Okay. Or even tieflings, for that matter, for there are a few of those you see wandering around. Okay. Um... Did did I happen to see where the the um the half elf ran off to? Give me a perception check. Oof. Not good. That's a five. Nope. Nope. He's very yeah. There's a lot of people here. Lesman, I believe your stealth roll is fifteen. It was, that's yeah, correct. So that perception check, not gonna be doing it. Okay. So you're still standing in the middle of the thoroughfare there as Tears moves uh, away? Uh yes, and I look to find like a small like alcove to get out of the way of other people just for the moment. Okay. So you step off to the side. Tears you make your way over to Calcon's Blacksmithery, brought to you by Duskwalker Import and Export TM. <laughs> Always be branding. Always be branding. Um, does, do I know Calcon? You've, you know of her. Okay. You know that once upon a time, Netta was an adventurer out in the world, as is her duty as, uh, one of the, one of the members of that order, the, the Oath of Thunder. Um, Thunder Wardens, as they're called. I was blanking on the name there for a second. And as a Thunder Warden, it is her, among others, duty to patrol the valley and help the citizens therein prepare for the inevitable day in which the Outer Storm courses into the valley and destroys life as we know it. The, the, the scale seers of the Jarashir know that that day is coming, so it is only a matter of time, and it is up to your order to help prepare the valley for that day. So, uh, once upon a time, Netta was an adventurer, and among her companions were the half-orc, Kalkan, the human duelist, Angela, uh, and one other who is not spoken of. Um, okay, then I think, she, then I think she goes right up to the, the booth and, um, grab, like, goes to do the exact opposite to Cherish that Cherish just did to her, where she does, like, the stage whisper, but I think she also, like, grabs her. It's like, Cherish! And then just, I think, uh, I snuck away. <laughs> so I think that um Calkin's uh like booth, I think that Cherish has like it's like like a table next to like whatever Calkin's doing. So I'll tell and... I'll tell you exactly what it is. 
It's okay. that thing at comic book conventions where clearly some major artist has rented table space, but they have a friend that they're letting use one corner of the table. So you yeah. have like a whole little ledge to yourself where you've hung this little sign for what is the name of your jewelry business? Um, it's called, uh, <laughs> it's called, uh, Gold Fleck Jewelry. <laughs> um, and... You came up with that name from the insistence of Omatep. His goal of always be branding was certainly <laughs> given to you at a young age. When you came up with that name, his response was, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> and that's all the encouragement I needed. And as you hang the sign... Uh, Alexander, the capuchin monkey who rests on Omatep's shoulder, gives you a stern thumb thumbs up. Thanks, buddy. The monkey nods solemnly. Um, and that is when so Tirza comes up and grabs you by the scruff of the robe in the back. Uh, I turn... also doesn't know how like hugs work. <laughs> yeah. So I think Cherish is like yeah. a little bit like jumps like a little bit but turns around and sees it's tears and she's like I think and I think the hug is more like like just like leaps and like grabs her like around the like like around like the neck and even though Cherish is like Definitely taller than Tirza. <laughs> it kind of spins around a little bit. It's very awkward. There is a a clatter of shields and mail as your tail goes whipping across Kalkin's countertop. And she says, Ah! The tail! I've warned you! Cherish! The tail! I, yeah, it's there. I know. I'm sorry, Mom. It's alright. Um... Who's your friend? This is Teensy or Tirza. Um, so. Oh, the the girl from the lake. Yeah. The one you wrote letters to. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know you'd set up a meeting. I look at Tirza. I'm like, yeah, I. Mom said that they probably wouldn't get to you, but I wrote them all anyway. I didn't get them, but I like that you wrote them. <laughs> so wholesome. Um, uh, I forgot what the other thing I was going to say. Cool. So as yeah. you two yeah, embrace and make introductions, uh, Omatep is standing cautiously to the side and just goes, <coughs> Oh, Tirza. This is Omatep Duskwalker. Hello, I am Omatep Duskwalker, proprietor, owner, and operator of Duskwalker, import and export, and he ports to the sign up above. I am bringing these fine wares here with my own coin, I might add, so that they might be shared with all of the denizens of Stormhaven. It is a pleasure to meet you, young woman. Hello, sir. I'm Tirza, cloak bear, child of the Jarashir, Daughter of the Outer Storm. Oh, <laughs> that's a mouthful. Does, yeah. <laughs> and then she does uh, 
God, some sort of greeting that the Jarashir do. It it might be some Yeah. <laughs> I like that. Something like that. Probably not that. No, yeah. <laughs> I th- what is that from? That's from that little hand motions from something else. Um, yes, it's something non branded like that. Right. <laughs> I'm sure everyone on Twitter is gonna tell us. Yeah, I'm sure. So Omatep looks you up and down and says, Oh, the, the Jarashir, I've, uh, I've heard of them. They are those uh, weird cultists that live out in the boonies, yeah? They chop off heads, too? You're making a weird neck motion, Cherish. I don't understand. Uh, I don't know if Tears has ever heard them called cultists before. I mean, I don't... I don't think the the uh, Bari people say say like they probably whisper like oh that's a weird cult but I don't think they like say it to people from the Sharshir. Uh, no, I, they do not. Uh, no, I'm I'm part of the Jarashir, protectors of the valley. We we are preparing folks for the hastening of the outer storm. Right, right. You're those weird uh, doomsday preppers, yeah? We're oh, hey, it was so right. great to see you. Okay, we're going to go this way now. <laughs> like, tears up by the shoulders. And, like, I can't go very far. I'm just going to walk away for a moment. <laughs> so you begin walking around the, uh, basically to the opposite side of the stand. Yeah. Where, Sid, you are hiding. <laughs> Like my hand out, and there's like something, something shiny, and like, uh, I don't know. Do they see me? Uh, Tirza, Cherish, I will need you to give me perception checks. Oh. It's a botch. As a botch, mm. I get struck by lightning, <laughs> and I got a three. So, well, no, I guess that thing is mine then. Just to establish precedent. <laughs> I am house ruling slightly the rules where botches and crits are concerned. We will handle crits whenever we get there. But for botches, I will be rolling percentile dice every time there is a botch. Anytime I roll higher than a 75, something increasingly bad will happen. I have some tables in front of me that indicate precisely what that bad thing is. It changes depending on whether or not it's a skill check or if it's something in combat. But botches be a big deal in this campaign. So, here's for the first uh, percentile roll of the campaign, everybody. And that is a 53, so yeah, you just okay. you just real don't see him. I just super don't see him. We're, we're dumb teenage girls, it's fine. So, Sid, your hand is frozen on top of this really nice-looking dagger just gripped in your hand as these two round the corner and you stand still frozen slightly. What do you do? I'm just gonna, like, slowly put the dagger in my belt. (laughs) They don't see me. I'm just gonna kind of slowly step away. (laughs) And I'm gonna do a spin and walk walk away whistling. Give me another stealth check. Okay. Mess it up. up. Fucking goddammit. Um... Uh, that's going to be uh, 11. Nice. So, you two look up as the whistling begins. 
the very not God subtle whistling that you called out. <laughs> yep. I turn around. Uh, nope, got me mistaken. I, actually, I don't even turn around. I just like, nope, not me. That was someone else. I just keep walking. <laughs> Pretty sure you're the one that almost got punched by that lady. That doesn't yeah, sound you're definitely like Sid. And I, I stop. When somebody says your name. Yeah. And then I turn around. I'm like, you're, okay, you're okay. okay. Yeah. What of it? My... Uh, Nate has told me about you. Yeah, good things, I'm yeah. sure. And I... <laughs> Most, mostly not. crime. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, uh, uh, how's, how's it going? <clears throat> it's, it's great, actually. Cool. Uh, have you have you been to, have you been to the the festival before? I walk up. I'm I, I I'm caught, so I'm just gonna try and talk my way out of this. Cherish. Um, yes, I'm rolling a perception check at the moment. <laughs> well, no. What I was going to say is, as soon as Tirza says the name Sid, you immediately remember where you know this boy from. Angela's yeah. son is someone you saw on a quasi regular basis because Angela and Kalkan were still very close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's how I know you. Um, my my mom made swords for your mom. Yeah, I remember. I assume. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm purple, so. Yeah, I well, it you you stand out. I remember you pretty well. Um, uh, 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 ch- your name starts with a, a ch sound. What was what was your name, please? Cherish. Cherish. Oh, how could I? How could I forget that? And um, um, your name. I am Tears of Clover, child of the Jarashir and daughter of the Outer Storm. Can I call I you Tears instead? I don't. I. I'm not going to remember all that. That's a long name. <laughs> Have you thought Tears about is, shortening it? Tears is probably fine. Tears is okay. Okay, great. Well, what do you guys? You guys. Uh, you guys are in town for the uh, for the the Makers Festival. That's fantastic. Have you guys ever been? Oh yeah, lots of times. Oh great. Um, and and how about you, Tirza? I've never been anywhere. <laughs> cool. Uh, well, it's it's pretty great, and um, you know. You want to show us around? Uh, yeah. Um. I mean, I, I'd, I'd love to, but um, I've, I've got... Um, Criminal things to do? That's a bit judgy, but sure. Um, I, I prefer to think of it as... Um, yeah, it's... <laughs> <laughs> so, we cut from there to... Oh, I was... What's up? I was going to say, I rolled a perception check when he turned around. To see if I knew that he had my one of my mom's daggers in his belt. Ooh. And I rolled an 18. Uh, it's pretty obvious. There's yeah. a real obvious, like, like brand mark on the hilt of the blade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. I don't... Look, Sid, it's really nice to see you. 
Um, oh, yeah. It's great. And you didn't get punched by that big woman. It's um, true. And I don't want you to get punched by my mom. So, can you give me that dagger? Okay. We'll cut to. Yeah. <laughs> Grawl. You are standing yes. in an alleyway off to the side, watching this sea of people move past you in shapes and colors you've never seen before. It's only the hardy or the the outcasts who live out in the dry lands. A lot of people make their living out there not by choice, but because that's where they can find work or that's where they've been driven to. Such as it is with many of your people, the... What experiences you've had with the outside world lead you to believe that Hobgoblin society as a whole is not exactly smiled upon by (laughs) the rest of the valley. The fact that they constantly make war with the giants who live in the Stormwall Mountains, riling things up, as it were, is not necessarily considered a good thing. Could be worse. Could be worse. They could be losing. Yes. (laughs) Um, so it's tough to know what to make of this wash of civilization, the likes of which you've never really experienced. You hear music um, off in the distance. There are performers and people doing little tricks and acts in the street. You see just an absurd enumeration of people. Um, Grawl doesn't understand how they have, unless they're like preparing for battle, how where are all these people going? Where do they live? Uh, do they all live here? Are they from other places? How do they all get here? Where are all the horses? Do they have a cavalry? What is going on? How Are they organized? Are they friends? Are they all in the same battalion? What's going on? Um, so he's trying to wrap his head around um, what people could be doing other than like, oh, there's weapons stalls and stuff. They're buying stores for war and stuff. But it's the oh, other certain... stores that really confuse you. People selling flatware, people selling silverware, people selling pieces of art, people selling clothing. Little flimsy bits of clothing that, like, with frills and in weird colors that would clearly stand out in any sort of environment. It won't serve as any kind of proper camouflage or armor. They must be trading them for weapons. <laughs> it's all a bartering system for, for, for weapons and, and armor and, pro- like, provisions of war. Clearly. That's the one thing that I that, that Grawl can surmise. And as you're thinking this to yourself, you have a weird sensation about you. I need you to roll an Arcana check. Ooh, 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 okay. Nope. Okay, that's a six. There is a strange disturbance in the air. You can't place it. You don't know where it's coming from. You don't even know what it is. All you know is there is what feels like an electric shiver that runs down your spine as you glance around, not sure what it is or where it's coming from. All you feel is this intense need to run. Uh... So I'm gonna start moving um, back out in out out like to the the mouth of like the alleyway to take a look and see, because um, my uh, arachnid senses are tingling. Um, 
Yeah, I, and I'm going to take a look around to see if I notice anything. And as you're looking around, not sure exactly what you're looking for, that is when the world becomes silent. And right as the three of you were confronting each other about stolen property, the world grows quiet, deadly silent. And the shade and color and cast of the light around you suddenly, abruptly, without warning, changes. From the bright, cheery sunshine of a mid-autumn day, a blue-gray cast falls over the world. Everyone around you suddenly stops mid-motion, the festival ground to a sudden and complete halt. Nobody moves, nobody talks, nobody sings, nobody tries to hawk their wares. Every person you see around you is covered in that gray-blue cast. Above you the sky is a twisting aurora of blues, blacks, and purples. From every person you can see, a long silver thread extends up from the base of their skull infinitely upwards into the sky. That thread is tight and pulled taut, as though by some unseen puppeteer, infinitely upwards in the sky. The four of you retain your color and your motion and your ability to speak and move. And I think that's what will take our break. And when we come back to material components, we'll figure out what the fuck is going on. Greetings, friends. It is I, Omatep Duskwalker, owner and proprietor of Duskwalker Import and Export TM. And I am here to talk to you today about a fine piece of merchandise I have at my shop. I would like to show you this. Adamantine armor. It is very shiny, yes? This armor can be medium or heavy, but not made of hide. Because, you know, it's made of adamantine. You, no, you know what? You get it. This uncommon armor is reinforced with adamantine, one of the hardest substances in existence, well known to be mined by the hobgoblins of the drylands. While you are wearing it, any hit that would be critical is reduced to just a normal hit. Amazing, right? But I tell you what... Even though this will stop critical hits, it will not stop me from giving you a critical deal. For only 400 gold, you can walk away with this piece of armor right now. Eh? Yes? Ah, well, maybe next time. Anyway, enough from me. Let's get you back to the action. And welcome back to Material Components. When last we left our players, the entire Maker Festival had suddenly come to a screeching halt. And by screeching, I mean deafeningly silent halt. So the world around you has this blue-gray cast. Everyone but yourselves have come to a silent, complete stop. With those strange silver threads leading from the base of their skulls up into the infinitely black, blue, purple, and gray sky. What do you do? Can, can we see Grawl from where we are? It's very easy to see Grawl because any motion in this place is immediately obvious. Anything with its color intact is immediately he's obvious. Still, he's still in like the same area. He hasn't run off. 
you're all within about a block of each other. And once you get out onto the main thoroughfare, it's very obvious where each other are. Yeah, I start looking around and seeing if anybody else can move. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Re or Grawl, are you still running? Oh, I mean, I all I did was uh, poke my head out into, like, from the mouth of the alley that I was kind of hanging out in. Um, so I'm, I've, I'm, I'm working my way out into the, like, the street proper, like, trying to look at people, maybe prodding at them slowly. Um, I am going to use my Forgebound items, a special ability. I am going to make an Arcana check with advantage. So, this may be a good time to inform our listeners about what a Forgebound item can do. Forgebound items are intelligent items that accompany our, most of our players, though one is, of course, bereft of such things. But Forgebound items have the ability to communicate with their players. Forgebound items convey certain special abilities to their players, and as the players level, so too will the Forgebound item. Here at first level, the Forgebound items can convey some kind of skill bonus, whether it be giving you an extra proficiency that you did not have before, or the ability to roll with advantage on a skill check of some kind, uh, at least once per day. Well, Maz doesn't know shit, apparently, because it's only a nine. <laughs> and this was an Arcana check? Yeah. This is clearly magic. That is what you know. <laughs> Thanks, Maz. I got that. So, this might go without saying, but most of the Maker Festivals don't do this. In yeah. your memory, no Maker Festival has done this. There is no tale of a Maker Festival doing this. You have no idea what this even is. Uh... All you know is that it is deathly silent. There is no even sound of a whistling wind through this place. There is only the slight echo of any sound you make. Well, first of all, I think I see this scary-looking hobgoblin shuffling away from where we are, and I go, <laughs> uh, Hey, you! Um, stop! I start walking away faster. <laughs> uh, I start chasing him. Yeah, that's super suspicious. I'm going to go after him as well. Uh, I, I, the, also, the pace picks up just a little bit more. I'm also running after them, but I'm like I'm like calling out his name. <laughs> Girl, wait up! Pull, like, put the hood is, is definitely on and just like shuffling my way and cut down a different alley. And it's really obvious where he went as he is one of the only mm -hmm. figures moving in this weird gray-blue landscape of frozen faces and people caught mid-step. There is no wobble of balance as people are caught on one foot or leaning over precariously into a pickle bucket. There is only this frozen, inanimate statuary of the citizens and visitors to Stormhaven. Yes, Grawl? Are there any, like, small children doing jump rope and they're just mid-air between hops? Oh, you know there are. Yeah! <laughs> and they're above a puddle, too, because, yes. you know, that looks good. Mm -hmm. There's a guy juggling, like, torches, and the torches are in mid-air, you know, that kind of stuff. Every item that is not on your personages is fixed and in that blue-gray color as well. Huh. Everything what you're carrying still has color, though. 
Um, what was that, Olivia? I said so much for looting, Sid. Yeah, I was going to say, um, like, still feels a little judgy. I'm just, just saying. <laughs> um, as I'm passing, like, uh, a booth or something, can I like briefly pick something up? Like, does it change when I grab it? When you try to grab an object, you're passing a, a fruit stand, and there is a bushel of apples just to your right. You reach down and attempt to grab one of these apples, and it seems to be fixed in place. It is as though the whole of reality has become a fixed statue that is one piece of itself and cannot be moved without tremendous effort, or at least more than casual effort. Yeah, more than a, an, a strength score of eight could do. Hmm, curious. I keep running after Grawl. Still, yeah. like, calling his name. Alright. Grawl, you keep running? Uh, I got into the alley, and then I got, I, I, I pull out my greatsword, and, uh, get ready for, a like a, like a, uh, you know, they're gonna round the corner and just like, hey, I got you un unprepared. Okay. I would like you to roll me a perception check. Uh, 14. Okay. So, the three of you running together, yes? Mm -hmm. Sid, mm -hmm. Tirza, and Cherish. You are scrambling through this crowded street. It is like some kind of bizarre jungle gym made of people that you are scrabbling through because the crowd is immovable. You're having to squirm your way between legs and between the gaps where people were just suddenly stock still. All the while, these strange glimmering threads are shining in this odd twilight. You're not quite sure what's even casting light. The sun is gone from the sky, and it's only that strange twisting void above you. As you round the corner into the alley, you see Grawl just standing there, ready. Great sword in hand. Uh, I draw my sword. <clears throat> Ching! Stormpiercer comes out. Uh, and I, I point my sword at him and I say, Did you do this? I thought you did this. You thought I did this? I thought all three of you did this. I don't know. We didn't do this. I didn't do this. We're children. Girl. What are you talking about? Yes, just to set the scene here for a moment, we're dealing with, I believe the three of you, Tears of Cherish and Sid, are all pretty much early teenagers, yes? Yeah. I'm, I, I'm not even I, a teenager. I'm 12. <laughs> Yeah, I'm 15. Yeah, 13. So between the ages of 12 and 15. And Grawl, you are early 20s at this point? Yeah, 22. Yeah. So these three kids, <laughs> middle schoolers, are rounding this corner to confront this That's ostensibly gonna, fully grown man. take them out. I don't know, they could be doing black magics, I don't know. <laughs> that could be mean. Children are Children are very mean. And it's at that point when they're confronting you and you're saying, you did this, no, you did this, that you hear a rasping sound from above you. I look up. And you, yeah. you all slowly glance upwards, and just above Grawl, you see a long-limbed man does not do this thing justice. It has two arms and two legs, a head and a torso, but all of them of a shape that 
is not in concordance with the normal way of things. Strange black spines protrude from the flesh around its shoulders and biceps and neck. Its lips are these withered, tiny things that curl back away from blackened teeth that have been sharpened by eons of who knows what. Its long black nails dig into the side of this building, seeming to sink into the blue grayness of the building as though it is some kind of putty. And it is slowly creeping down the side of this wall as you all look up, its mouth opens and a long, sickly pink tongue winds its way out and it lunges down into the alley between the three of you and Grawl. And I need everyone to roll initiative. God damn it, we gotta fight Slender Man. <laughs> you wish. Oh. Fucking goddamn it. Okay. So. Same boat, Lisbon, same boat. <laughs> we will call this off in brackets. Critical roll style. So, 25 to 20. Cool. <laughs> 15 to 20. Awesome. 10 to 15. What do we got? 11. 11. Nice. All right. So, 5 to 10. Sid? 7. 7. Grawl? 7. Both have 7. Um, I'm guessing Sid has the higher dexterity? I mean, probably. Uh, I mean, yeah. Mine's at 12. Yeah. Okay. So, I'll have Sid going first. Um, and, uh, bringing up the rear. As per you, his tears up. <laughs> Ooh, let us pray that nickname does not stick for you. <laughs> bringing up the rearza? <laughs> bringing up the rearza, it's tearsa. Oh my god. So, uh, the, this thing did not roll that well, but it rolled better than all of you. <laughs> That tracks. What do you yeah. expect? They're children. <laughs> and it is going to lunge forward, ignoring Grawl for the moment, towards Ooh. one of the three of you. I need each of you to choose a digit between one and three. I'll take one. I'll take two. I'll take three. It lunges towards Sid. Damn it. I, I meant three. <laughs> <laughs> and it hisses out, no take backsies, as it lunges at you. <laughs> it will slash at you. I'm going to guess six does not hit your AC, though. Oh, no. Okay. Very good. So Whew. it's these rending black claws slash at you as that tongue lathers outward. It actually doesn't say anything as it attacks. It just lets out this gurgling hiss that sounds like whatever is inside this thing is slowly liquefying. Ugh. And that brings us to Cherish. Ooh. Um, I'm going to cast Firebolt at it. Okay. Give me a spell attack roll. Yes. Uh, oh, heck yeah. That's a 24. 24 will hit as you see a burst of flame erupt 
from the tiefling's hand. It strikes the front of this thing. Give me some damage. Oulon de feu. That's an eight. Eight damage. The flames flicker against this thing's pale, sort of milky skin. You see these dark cracks beginning to form as the skin begins to flake off, and beneath you can see this dark purple meat beneath milky flesh. That's even worse. Yeah. Yeah, It's even worse. It's definitely not better. Yeah. Didn't say this thing was nice. (laughs) So that brings us to Sid. Great. Um, so it came at me. We were all standing in a group. It's true. Um, so if I were to sort of position myself around it. Um, no one else has is currently engaged in any kind of combat with it. So if you're digging for advantage, you're not going to get that quite yet. Damn. Yeah, that is what I was doing. Um, okay. Well, I'm just going to... I think I'm still going to shift behind it just so... Um, the next person who attacks can have advantage. Okay. Um, so you're going to sort of edge your way around it so it's between you and Tirza? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Or do you want to stay where you are so it's between you and Grawl? I'm going to do that, actually. Okay. So you're going to stay where you are and just attack it. With a very big sword, I'm assuming he can hit hard. If I roll well. <laughs> if you roll well. Solid we'll assumption. Yeah. Cool. Um, that was a... Plus five, so that's going to be a 14. 14 will hit. Oh, thank God. Uh, okay. No, I need a D8. Uh, it's going to be six damage. Six damage. Ooh, this thing's not good, looking good as you run it through with your rapier, whipping the sword back out of it as you pierce its hide. You can feel this weird gelatinous sensation as you're sword pierces this thing and as you whip it back out there is a fount of what looks like bright red scarlet blood as opposed to most things that you've seen your fair share of blood living on the streets of Stormhaven blood is this dark red color this comes out as a rose fount that erupts from this thing's shoulder it's still moving it's still very aggressive but the combination of colors here are just wrong hmm that brings um, us... I, oh, sorry, I forgot to mention, um, the blade of my sword is a very a slight blue tint to it. Oh, yeah. Uh, brings us over to Grawl. Um, so, I am now technically... I'm, I'm behind this creature. Right? Uh, in, 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 a, in a few quick steps, you can come up behind this thing, yes. Okay. Um... Since my greatsword is already out, I'm going to swing away at this ugly, ugly creature. Um, does flanking or being behind it give me advantage? You have advantage, sir. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Again. Okay. So that's an 18. 18 is going to hit. Uh, and then, so greatsword is... 2d6. Yes. Um, 9 plus Christmas. So that's a 12. 12 damage will rend this thing asunder. 
As the greatsword comes barreling down overhead, the three of you are just splattered in this crimson gore that goes fountaining out in every direction as this sword more flattens this creature than actually chops it in half. The heft of the blade is that heavy. And it is as, as it is smashed into the dirt road, there is no pup puff of dust from the ground as you would expect only this fountain of red that sprays out into the world around you spattering the gray blue surface all around it and us yeah and you of course does it does it shoot out like a like the splash zone at like an aquatic park <laughs> like it's like the dolphins the... just leapt ah <laughs> beautiful uh, I'm gonna clean myself off with prestidigitation. Voila! I'll just... If anyone else needs that, it's a cantrip, so I. Yes, yes, please. I would like that. Voila! And voila! Thank you. Grawl, you are also, of course, covered in blood, but I don't know if you want it gone or not. I'm. I. If you. If you. Prestidigitized me or whatever, I'd be okay with it, but I'm not gonna ask for it. <laughs> okay. Just let me know. Okay. Uh, I look around and see if there's any more of those things. Give me a perception check. Okay. Um, Eleven. Out in the distance, as you take in the whole of the city and begin keying up your senses to try to detect these things, looking out into the city, you can see that there are slight crawling motions all around, ups and down buildings and across stalls. These things are dancing over the tops of heads of frozen people. They're not swarming like ants or anything. You see one for every maybe hundred people you see down the street, but they're visible enough that you can see them out in, among the city. Okay. Um, I tell them that that wasn't the only one. I think they're all over the city. Should we try climbing up on top of a building? Just sure. to have a better vantage point? Better vantage point? Sure, yeah, why not? Um, I look around and see if there's like something we can like get on top of. Tons of people and stalls and Tons barrels. Of... Um Okay. Um If you I just wanted and... to scale the side of this alley you're in, you could do that too. Okay. Yeah, let's try that. I will need some kind of athletics check. Okay. Would that be athletics? Haha, -ha, 15. 15. You are able to get up the side of this building fairly easily. There are some know, sconces and window things that you can grab onto and sort of Assassin's Creed your way up. Uh, yeah, and then I want to kind of take a look around. Um see if there's anything other than just the 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 gap like are they moving in a specific direction or what what's what's the deal with them we'll get there what are the rest of you doing uh i'm i'm gonna move past uh cherish and tirza to like look out into like out from the mouth of the alley to check and see um if what uh sid said is true if there is more or not okay tirza
She's frozen in fear. Yes. Uh, Olivia, what do you do up to? Uh, you I guys on audio, eight. I didn't... Sorry. <laughs> oh. Silent spell, I think. Mm. She's frozen. Just like the rest of them. <laughs> oh, no. Are we back? Tough to I, say. I, 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 rolled, I rolled a two. Two for what? I rolled a two, and then I rolled a 13. For athletics? For athletics. Okay. Yeah. So, and then I rolled a 13. So, you try scrabbling up the side of the building. It is a climb the likes of which you have never done before. You are yeah. completely yeah. alien to you. I said let's climb a building without really thinking about, you know, doing it. Uh, Olivia, what are you doing? Um, oh, I rolled a... 20 for my athletics, so okay. I'm up there with this. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm, and I'm seeing if, if I need to roll something else, um, if they're attacking people, or if they're just ignoring It's people. As the two of you look out over the cityscape, Tirza and Sid are standing at the edge of a building looking out into the rest of Stormhaven. You are currently at the uh, almost the far western edge of the city. To the south, you can see the the Mason's Way, the large industrial corner of the city leading away towards the southern gate. To the northeast, you can see the Green Terrace, the more heavily influenced Elvish district with its strange tree-like buildings. And to the east, you can see the more walled part of Old Haven, the the center of the city itself and where many of the guilds preside. The whole city is covered in this blue-gray pall, as is the surrounding countryside. And as you stare out at the rest of the city, you can see more and more of these strange, pale figures creeping over buildings and people. They don't seem to be attacking anyone, they just seem to be winding their way through and every once in a while, as you stand there and look out over the city, you can maybe see the flash of color somewhere else nearby. And then, very quickly, those pale figures will begin to screech and move towards that flash of movement or color. And you will hear a scream that is abruptly cut short off in the distance. Um... Grawl and Cherish, you're beginning to hear these sounds as well as you stand quietly in the middle of the street. And, uh, yeah, it is uh, a very disturbing <laughs> set piece. Um, Mike, before we continue, I just want to say that I cannot see Cass mm. at this point uh, or hear her. So um, should I just uh, re-enter the... Yeah, why don't you drop out real quick and come back in and oh, we'll cool. see if that fixes the problem. Oh, wait, no, I oh, see you. Okay, never mind. Great. Cool. Pause <laughs> over. Cass is back. Um, okay. Um, so so you saw that, Tirza. Um, so mm, I think we should go towards the nearest sort of flash that we saw and try oh, and... Yeah. And where they're start, yeah. starting to congregate. I agree. Yeah. Um, so I guess we uh, climb down and uh, tell... Uh, so we climb down at we're going to go, uh, we saw some flashes and heard some screams, so we're going to go ahead in that direction. Before you do, uh, before you climb down, there is one thing that t the two of you notice that the people on the ground do not. 
Yes. In the distance, floating above the city, you see a pearlescent figure of glowing blue-white light swathed in thin strips of you don't know what. It looks like darkness from a distance. It is moving from thread to thread, because keep in mind, for every person in the city, except for yourselves, a thin, slender, silver thread extends from the base of their neck straight up into the sky infinitely. So as you looked out over the city, it is just a tangle of these threads in near-infinite number. Blocking the sight of the horizon, almost. And as you watch, you see a figure floating above the city, moving between the threads. And somewhere above you, you see her, maybe about 500 feet away, moving to one of these threads, and seems to almost caress it, putting a hand on either side of it, slowly inspecting the thread and moving up and down it as though hovering. Oh, that's weird. Uh, and that's when you we both... scramble back down. Okay, we both saw that, I assume. Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I don't even know how to... Uh, uh, what what did you see? I don't know how to put that into words. I, uh, there are other people like us, people who can move, and those abominations are attacking them. And then there's a woman stroking the threads. I mean, Weird. She's like, you can't, like you can't, off. you can't assume gender from that distance. So you couldn't really tell oh, what it was. I said her, sort of out of turn. I apologize. Player a knowledge, thing. not character knowledge. A thing is stroking the threads, touching the that's threads. Weird. I like floating around. It's yeah. Um, I think that's probably what's doing this. Just a guess. Yeah, no, that's a good guess. Um, she's floating. How are we gonna? What do we? What do we do? I don't know what to do. I have like magic and stuff. I can throw things really good. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, all right. Listening uh, to the, the 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 children talk, Grawl's just like, "I'll take care of it," and starts walks past everyone, just starts walking down, not in a hurry, just kind of just like mission mission time, kind mm-hmm. of just walking on his own. Yeah, yeah, let's go get so it. I assume you can fly, then, huh? Mm. He doesn't even <laughs> look back. He just gives a shrug and keeps walking. Cherish is following after Grawl. Okay, uh, well, let's not um, uh, split up, because that seems dangerous. Um, we'll follow him. Okay. Uh, Tirza is also going to follow... Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, the three young'uns quickly follow into step behind Grawl. Again, it's that weird clambering. You have to imagine that this was a crowd of people. Imagine that... Like a, a festival, imagine a, a Mardi Gras just comes to a complete stop. Having to get, make your way through the crowd of a, a crowded convention if everyone just turned into a statue suddenly. It is this weird like those, scrabble. Like one of those shitty flash mobs that happen in Times Square. 
if the flash mob couldn't be moved, period. Having to, like, scrabble your way through that is a weird tangle of, like, stepping on people's faces and moving on top of people's shoulders and, like, moving between the small spaces between limbs. It is a very awkward and bizarre mode of transit that none of you have really ever experienced. As I'm passing by these frozen people, I try to touch one of the strings. Can I touch it? Yeah, you absolutely can. Give me a wisdom saving throw. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Um, Ten? Cool. So you, like, touch the string briefly, and for the briefest of moments, color returns to the person's body as you touch the string and there's like and it moves just like a fraction of an inch whoa did they see that i think the rest of you probably saw this happen yeah did you guys see that i hate it what did i experience what what did i feel you felt (laughs) you got a 10 on that wisdom saving throw You felt in an awful moment as though you were not here. You felt as though you were outside of your body and flying through empty space with an absolute vacuumous nothing around you, just continually moving upwards towards some empty, unknowable space. And then you slammed back into your body with a gasp. Don't touch those. It's real bad. <laughs> okay. <sighs> okay. Um, I guess we keep going then. Yeah, don't 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 touch the strings. That's that's weird. That's not good. Um when you when you said crawling over the top of people, I I'm assuming we're going through these things if we have to crawl through them, or are we like winding our way to make sure we're not touching things? I mean, you, like, you're having, you have to touch people to move past them, to like clamber through their like halfway moving limbs and get around, like weirdly scooch around their standing bodies. Sometimes there's room to stand on the ground, but other times the press of people is so thick that you literally have to clamber on top of people to get over a small press. Right, right. And so like if I'm climbing over the top of a person and I happen to like, oh, uh, I have to go over directly over the top of them, does that, uh, does touching the string thing affect me if it just like I I wade through it or is it like a like a oh I'm touching this half like I think that was probably what happened to Sid is the first time he scrambled over a person and brushed up against the string that happened. Okay. Other than that, you can pretty easily avoid the strings if you try to. Mm-hmm. They're very obvious. Yeah, yeah, and it's head head height, so yeah, you know, pretty easy to avoid. Okay. Uh, awful. Great. Yeah, thanks. I hate it. You're welcome. Uh, <laughs> is Ezra, as we're going towards this floating thing, can, can we hear, are we getting closer to any yelling, or are there any people? Occasionally, you'll hear a faint scream that is cut abruptly short in the distance. You That's have... Too far off. 
but it's too far off. It's like you're wandering through a woods and somewhere in the distance there'll be an echoing scream that's cut abruptly short. Right. As you're moving closer towards this floating figure in the distance, you suddenly come across another figure in like a strange model of colors that is like sudden and abrupt and makes you sort of stop and witness the strange figure off to the side of the main thoroughfare. It is a, is a hunched sort of like bulbous, almost potato shaped humanoid with long arms, this whole body and is wrapped in what look like rags that have been tied together by thick cord Needles are left in where they stopped. Like, there's no effort to really make this into a cohesive garment. It looks as though it's just like it's a patchwork of different clothing and uh, apparel items that have been stitched together to make this kind of draping shawl over this thing. Weird segments of bone are stitched in to make like a patchwork sort of armor. It has a huge, like, rough sack on its back that bulges in strange ways. The geometry of it sort of like makes you queasy as you look at it. And it all you can really see from behind is that it has these long spindly arms and it's doing something at one of the stalls that has turned blue. And as you watch the piece of jewelry that was transfixed in blue in this stall suddenly regains color and the figure goes, ah, yes, and pulls it away and stores it somewhere on its person. We're behind it. And you're coming up behind it. Hey, dipshit. Hey, stop that. That's stealing. Uh, yeah, you, Mr. Potato Head. And it turns suddenly, and you can see that its face, if you can call it that, is just a long slit across this mottled pink just surface. The, there's no head, there is no chest, it is one solid like I said, potato of a creature. The slit is full of these white teeth that are sort of on the outside of its flesh. And it has these dark, beady black eyes that are recessed into its head. And as it turns, its mouth opens up and it says, Oh, oh. Eugene. Oh, to you, friend. You ugly. Hey, hey, you ugly. What you doing there? And it says, Taking what is mine, yes, yes. Taking what is mine. Okay. I don't think so. Why, do you know why everything's frozen? Frozen? No, no, not frozen. Not frozen at all. You, Threadless, you are the frozen ones. You walk along the gray path. This is, <laughs> short time you have. <laughs> I understand all of those words individually, but you've lost me. No, no, you are lost indeed, yes. I think Tirza pulls out her lance from the back sheath that she has and says, You will stop stealing. Stealing, stealing, no, no. Observe, observe! And he points back at the uh, place where he stole what you thought was the piece of jewelry. And you see the piece is still there, blue and stuck on the counter. 
And he says, this is, and he pulls out the piece that is clearly the piece he just stole. It is the exact same thing, except he has restored color to it. And he says, this is but an echo, but a, a, a mirror image. I, I, I merely collect the echoes, the echoes, they are mine. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, okay. Okay. I see. Do you want to... They saw they these two saw like a thing that was like touching all the threads. Do you know what that is? Ah, yes, yes. You see, you see the maiden. Yes, the witch. She is the counter. She is sure. the collector. Yes. Okay. Oh, okay. Um, What's she doing? Can we go back to normal, please? And like this weird potatoy, pink-fleshed, black-eyed, teethy maw says normal. Yes. What about those gross monsters? Ah, yes, Starspawn. They come in the traveling places as well. Do not, do not, do not go near them. They are bitey. <laughs> yeah, we oh, already... we already killed one. It's okay. <laughs> it cackles in this horrible little voice. And as you keep listening to it, he's... It's starting to give you a headache. You're not sure what it is. There's this weird feedbacky whine to his voice that seems off kilter with what you're used to hearing. Um, and before we begin, Mike, I'm sorry to pause this again. I can now no longer hear Cass. Ah, really? Still? So I'm going to. I'm just going to restart this right there. Okay. <laughs> I can still hear you if that helps. Okay. Yeah, you're both good to me. You guys have all been cutting out a lot, but it's fine. Hey, Cass, can you speak, please? Yeah. Okay, I can hear you. All right. Great. Okay. So, yeah, this this weird collector is standing in front of you. And I'm sorry, what did he call the gal, or, well, the, the figure who's been uh, touching all the people's threads and stuff? He called it a her, and he called it right. the witch. The witch. The bitch. Hmm. Hey, guys. Um, oh. Is anybody else getting, like, a headache? I, like, hate talking to this guy. Yeah, I'm not enjoying it. Um, I feel, I don't know, almost sick. Yeah. Grawl, you feel fine. Yeah, I was going to be like, mm, I'm, I'm not getting anything. I, I don't say that. I'm just kind of just like, mm. like very um, impartial. Tell, how do we go back to normal? Tell us how we go back to normal. And how does this stop? He lets out a little cackle at that and says, stop. Yes, that is the way. That's not answering my question. Uh, apologies, apologies. This meat speak that you do, it does not convey. Yeah, clearly. You are, uh, what is, threadless, yes, threadless. You are not, yeah. you are stuck here in the gray path, yes. E yes, how do we get back to the regular path? <laughs> Find your thread, yes, threadless. Okay, so we have a thread somewhere that we have to find? All creatures do. Not 
They should follow thread, not stay here in the Grey Path, in the in-between places. This is a place of travel, not of a place of destination. <laughs> how how you end here? This this is this is echo. This is death. We're dead. Where do we find the thread? And the creature like looks around, gives a weird little shrug. Try. Hmm. I think we need to go ask that lady where our threads are. Yeah, that's what I was just thinking. And then it sort of looks past the three of you towards where Grawl is standing, a little bit behind you. And then its little black eyes sort of widen, and you can see that the flesh around the eyes extends even more, <laughs> so that, like, more eye is revealed. No. Oh, yeah. He doesn't do well at parties, I'm assuming. Boo. <laughs> and it sort of scuttles past all of you and sort of brushes past you to, like, stand in front of Grawl and begins touching you. And you can see its hands now are these weird little nubbins with only three fingers, and each one ends in a little, like, hoof claw. And as it's touching you and sort of working its way around, it gets to your back and begins touching the sword. And says, ah, yes, yes, strong echoes here. <laughs> uh, uh. I, I, I grab it by, I, I do one of those, like, backhanded, how, how tall is this thing, by the way? It is, like, up to your waist. Okay, I'm gonna do, like, uh, like put my hand back and kind of push its face away. And Don't touch that. As you touch the like the mottled pink flesh of its face, there's a weird spongy quality to it Whoa. as you push it away. Like one, like a mem- like a weird memory foam kind of yeah. Like, oh. God, foul. <laughs> Curse your imagination. <laughs> this is straight out of the monster manual, my friend. Oh no. Okay. I guess. Did uh did, did that like push him away? He kind of like shuffles away. And says, "No, no, you misunderstand. You misunderstand. I come with a message from the bearer of that." And then I, tu- I, I, I turn around to, to face him. And, he, said, him. and he like starts patting down the weird patchwork cloth all over him and eventually like pulls out a little piece of parchment. It's like this burnt, tattered little... It, it looks ancient. If not for the fact that he was holding it, you would swear that any contact with this thing would make it crumble to dust. Yeah. And he like um, gives it a sniff. With... He doesn't have a nose... The skin around his eyes just contracts a little bit. Gross. <laughs> foul. This guy. <laughs> and says... He's growing on me a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Like, like literally. Like a yeah, fungus. No, he, yeah, he was <laughs> I was just about to say, I rolled to seduce. <laughs> oh, damn. Gross. Oh, he's, he's, this is your type, I guess? <laughs> no kink shaming. Yeah, absolutely not. He is my kid. <laughs> <laughs> so, the weird little guy, like, hobbles back up to you, and in that weird arm that you can see now has, like, way more than two or three joints. There's, like, weird distended clicks to it as it reaches towards you. And, like, based on what you just touched, it shouldn't click like that when it moves. And he hands out this paper, and he says, 
There are many fractals from here to Leng, and I have brought it far. Yes, brought it far. Take it from him. Put it in like like uh, like a pouch. And as you take it, he gives out a little shiver of what looks like pleasure. Uh, uh, I don't like. And he like. Sucks. nods his whole body and says, ah, the deal is done. Yes, I fulfilled my bargain. Perhaps you will next. Are you leaving now? Yeah. Please <laughs> say you're leaving now. You go. And he says, leaving? No, no leaving. There is only here. This is the in-between. We are traveling from, not to. No, no, you said that. I mean, like, li- leaving this vicinity so we don't have to talk to you anymore. Yeah. Go away from us. Leave our sight. You're very unpleasant. And it just lets out that weird, like, cackling little laugh again, and it causes, like, a weird, like, staticky, like, whine in your ears for everyone except for Grawl. Um, and it begins, like, hunching away through the crowd every once in a while it'll stop at something and like touch it and you can see now that you have a better angle on it that it is taking out the color of a thing but the thing is staying there and then it'll have a new version of the thing in full color and it'll tuck it away into some pocket and then hobble away to the next location there's no rhyme or reason to what it seems to be gathering uh but you find the practice rather disturbing yeah sure uh what does your little note say there I don't. I don't. I don't know if we've. What's your name? Oh, that's Grawl. 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 Name's Grawl. Okay. Grawl. What? Is, what? What does your note say? I, I go does to grab have, it out. Does he have a crush on you? <laughs> that that makes no sense to Grawl. What is a crush? <laughs> um, Grawl grabs. Uh, I grab out the uh, the scroll. And I go to to look at it and read it. It's not even a scroll. It's a it's a scrap of parchment that is. Oh, it's just like a little, little frayed little along. It's yeah, maybe the size of like a small note card that's just mm. frayed around the edges and blackened. And it seems so ancient as to be brittle, and it should have blown away. And if there was a wind, uh, can I read it? There isn't anything to read, so yes. All there is is a black smudged impression that looks like a moth. It looks like someone drew a a smudgy charcoal image of a moth on this piece of paper. Lovely. Cool. Show show it around. Show it to the entire class. Hmm. It's like a What's this supposed to be like a? It looks like a moth to me, or a butterfly, or some kind of insect. A butterfly. A gift. I hand it. I hand it to, uh, to Sid. What do you want me to do with it? I start walking away. <laughs> <laughs> I just toss it over my shoulder. Okay. Um, for uh, half a second, you think you hear a. I turn around. There's nothing there. There's nothing there. I don't see the the note. No. Well, I'm sure it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing to see here. Nothing to see. Nothing to see here. 
So moving forward, you make a, a fairly even pace as you do, um, ducking through and around these crowds. In the distance, you hear more belated screams coming to an abrupt halt, though they always seem weirdly distant and echoey. Even when you think you're getting closer to them, you never really do. Perhaps those images you saw from the top of the roof had some kind of strange distortion to them, but you're not sure. As you're moving, though, I need everyone to make Arcana rolls. Make the what? Arcana. Uh, yeah. That'll be good. <coughs> I hope you actually got a one. <coughs> Matt, 20, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, shit. I don't know... I don't know about anything, but I know about weird apocalypse shit. <laughs> it's true. I got a huh. twenty-one. Twenty-one. I got. I got a nine. Nine. I got. I also got a nine. Cool. Uh, so actually, um, my arcana is minus one. That twenty is in that twenty. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, as the boys are. Moving slightly ahead, Cherish and Tirza, you fall behind slightly as a, a strange, sickening sensation washes over you. It is like nausea. This cold sort of heaving comes up from the bottom of your stomach, and you feel the sudden urge to vomit as though every fiber of your being is telling you that something around you is absolutely fucking wrong. Hmm. And it's coming from somewhere ahead of Grawl and Sid. Uh, I think Tirza goes, like, hands to knees, like, bent over, and goes, stop! To the two of you. Okay, I stop. Yeah, guys, there's something really wrong. I'll turn around. This is, there's something bad about this place, about what's ahead of you. Yeah, I don't... Like, worse than what's already happening? Like, worse than that gross thing we just talked to. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Yeah, no, it's, like, fine, but we should be careful, at least. Okay. Uh, I turn back around to... Should we not go this way? I think I'm gonna throw up if we Yeah, do. so like, probably not. Okay. We'll go a different way. I turn to Grawl. You're not feeling anything? You're not- you're good? I'm- I'm great. And I turn and start- keep walking. Grawl! <laughs> I turn back around. Do either of you throw up? <laughs> do it. We have to. What what saving throw is that? <laughs> and again, it's not necessarily that the contents of your stomach are being forced up out of your body. It's that, it's like it, yeah, it's just like you feel it in the pit of your stomach. It's that feeling you get when you're looking over the edge of a cliff. It's that feeling you get mm. when you're just about to take a step out onto a rope bridge. It's that feeling you get when you're staring down into the dark mouth of a cave and the unknown is howling back at you in a quiet discourse. 
It's that feeling I get when I turn and suddenly there's a spider right here in my face. No, I know the feeling very well. <laughs> and Grawl, you said you were going to keep going. Well, I, I started walking and then uh, then Cheris, Cheris was like, oh, wait, wait, wait. And so I turned back around again. It I will turn. Is... I will turn this this vehicle around, this march around, right now. We'll go right back home. I'll cancel this vacation. <laughs> Mike, hmm? can we tell if it's coming from a specific area or if it's coming from just somewhere in front of us? And remember, I got an at one. True. <laughs> and what you see that Cherish doesn't is several blocks away, moving out onto the thoroughfare. You see the threads and the blue horizon suddenly be covered by some dark figure striding out between two buildings and moving through the crowd on long, spindly legs. Uh, uh, it's that. And I pull back. <laughs> do I see it? I turn around that and do it. Do I see it? And as you turn and look, you see a strange two-legged, two-armed, long, spindly-looking creature. Its form has weird ripples of black smoke essence. You're not sure what rippling off of strange tufts of black fur, perhaps. Its face is like that of an elongated goat with no mouth or nose but with these black, gleaming spheres for eyes that slowly move across the street. Its horns in a strange spiral that curve up and down over its ears. And the ears twitch at the sounds of all of you, like down the street, the ears twitch to one side, and the head turns slowly towards you. And it's this large, twenty-foot-tall giant made of darkness that is striding through this crowd. That's gross. I'm going to I'm going to um hide. <laughs> <laughs> just gonna play plan actually. Just just kinda shift onto the wall, I guess, or something. Um uh, my shield is on my back as well and it's out now. Okay. Um as is a javelin actually. Okay. Uh Grawl pulls out his pull, pulls off his back uh the great sword and gets ready to whoop some ass. <laughs> uh Cherish is very unsettled. And possibly a little bit afraid <laughs> of this thing. Um, but she, like, kind of, like, tries to steal herself and, like, prepare some to do some magic shit and get this thing. Good call. Yeah. Um, so, as this thing strides through the city, it seems as though it's orienting towards you, but it's really tough to tell. Its head is sweeping back and forth in this, like, really disturbing, languorous motion, and it's, like, snapping to 
suddenly when it'll focus on a thread just in front of it and it's long six-fingered hand with like the last finger of the hand just like a little bit shorter than all the others will curl around a thread and then the hand will follow the thread all the way down until it touches a person and it will stop there for a long moment its eyes still fixed towards you near the end of this broad avenue but its hand doing something unseen amongst the crowd and then it'll the hand will slowly come back up and as you watch a blackness spreads across the thread and when it lets go the darkness will shoot skyward towards parts unknown and there will just be a single black thread amongst all the other silver ones Oh, yeah. So how far away is it? It's probably 100 feet away. This thing is like 20 feet tall. It's really easy to see. Yeah, I'm going to go kill that thing. Like, fuck, guys. uh, Uh, So then you, what, you charge ahead before we get to say anything? uh, Yeah, I think Tirza goes... That's an abomination that needs... That must be destroyed. And then I'm gonna stride... She doesn't run, but she just, like, strides off in its direction and, like, hikes up the javelin so that it's, like, ready to be thrown. Okay. Bye, guys. (laughs) Gonna go die. (laughs) What are the rest of you doing? Uh, I'm gonna keep hiding. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Are we... I'm going to cast Firebolt. Okay, what's the range on Firebolt? 120. Okay. Um, yeah, this thing is just within range. Okay. Uh, well, that's probably not going to do it. Um, yeah, it's an 11. 11 will not hit. The, the Fireball goes streaking fat past, and this flickering ball of flame will get just past this thing's shoulder, and then sort of just, like, as it's passing through the wisps of shadow radiating off of this thing, the flame will sort of just flicker away into little embers that die in the weird blue-gray sky. Hmm. Yeah, cool. As Tirza charges forward. I cast Mage Hand and Tripper, but it not work. <laughs> um, uh. What are you all doing? And it didn't seem even, like, really phased by that firebolt. It didn't seem to be attract its attention any faster, per se. It's still proceeding down this thoroughfare in this languorous, sort of slow flowing strides that every once in a while it will stop at another one of these figures and do that same strange hand gesture to one of the threads, turning it black. Hmm. I'm going to creep closer. Uh, Tears, are you moving at full speed just straight at this thing? Um, yeah, like a pretty, well, as fast, I mean, I'm still working my way around people and now I have a shield and a javelin in my hands, so full speed as I can make it. <laughs> okay. Um, additionally, I just realized that my javelin also has 120 feet 
Uh, or no, wait, that's wrong. Sorry, give me one second. Yeah. Because you have that thrown yeah. weapon feat? Um, he, actually, that's my attack's normal range, so oh. I actually have 140 feet on a javelin. Okay. Um, the, it should list two ranges. What are the two ranges? Uh, 30, 120. Okay, so the 120 range is anything past 30, you're having disadvantage on the attack roll. Right. Okay. Just kidding. I'm still moving full speed ahead. Oh. As fast as I can go. Cool. So the rest of you are seeing Tirza scrabble her way through the frozen crowd. What do you do? Well, she oh, I said I was, I said I was like creeping closer. Okay. Sid, Grawl? Yeah, I'm gonna follow her. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna cast Mage Hand in like a like a stop motion, just in front of Tirza. Yeah, like in like a just wait, just 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 wait for us kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. A strange brown green hand appears just in front of your face, Tirza, in like a halt motion. Uh, is there any indication that it's from Grawl? Like, is there a like a thing leading back to him at all? Not really. I mean, yeah. There's it's just a hand that appears in front of you, going halt. I think I think she slashes at it. Um, you stop moving though. Yeah. Great. Perfect. It worked. <laughs> and then I start going. Yeah, I'm gonna try and gr- grab her so that she stops charging at this thing because we don't really know what it is or what it can do. I know it's evil and it needs to be killed. We don't know it's evil, actually. We don't know anything. Have you tried well, giving it a hug? <laughs> well, I mean, Tirza and I know that it's bad. Yeah. It Do you just want to die a little? Yeah. Um, anyone who's looking at this thing can give me a religion roll. Yeah. Jeez. Okay. Huh, not 20. <laughs> I have a negative uh, one religion. Uh, 16, yeah, actually. But I rolled a 20. Eight. I got a 13. Okay. Um, Cherish and Tirza, you're, based on, as you get closer to this thing, you can see the strange webs of flesh that are sort of near the side of its neck and in the span of its arms and the crooks of its legs, leading you to believe this is maybe some form of undead. And as you get close, you can see that the black orbs on the side of its head are maybe eyes, but they're, at the very least, sensory organs of some kind. But you know that they're not the only things on its face. There are two smaller black beads to either side of each eye, so it looks like it maybe has six in total. Grawl. That small, moth-like piece of paper comes fluttering just past your shoulder, and a brown-green moth appears just in front of you. 
and flaps slowly towards your face. What do you do? I I hold still. It goes into your face, and there's a moment where you have the intense smell of dust and parchment and old, ancient secrets locked away. And you know, because some voice is speaking to you as though it is reciting a passage from an encyclopedia Mm -hmm. that this thing is called a Nightwalker. It is a being of anti-life. It comes from the plane of negative energy. And yes, it is an abomination, but its touch means death. Very cool. Good. So yeah, give it a hug. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, how how close is everyone to me? Just curious. Within how thirty we... feet, because they stopped because of your mage hand. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so I'm gonna let everyone know that that thing is called a Nightwalker because I know a lot of stuff. Um, yeah. Luckily. Um. Yeah, and that we shouldn't touch it. Oh. Yeah. Nice. There's a person for scale there. Yeah. Yeah, that's not right. good. Um, I want to... Can I grab Tirza, like, by the collar or something and try and drag her back? Sure. How close are we to it, by the way? Uh, it is now within 60 feet. Again, its pace hasn't really changed. It's still moving step, step, and then it'll stop at a cord and turn it black. It Its face is always towards the four of you, but yeah. it doesn't really seem... It's You're not sure if it's even paying attention to you. Yeah, this thing is, like, okie spooky. If we could avoid, like, interacting with it, that would yeah. be awesome. Yeah, let's let's not get anywhere near that. Um, and I try and... Yeah, like us. If we keep standing here, let's go. Is there a side alley? Totally. Yeah. Totally? Fantastic. I turn. I'm going down that side alley. <laughs> I have no business with this. Okay. I'm going to go... I'm going to help Sid corral Tirza into that same alley. All right. Um... Yeah, I'm going to try and convince um, Tirza and just be like, look, very much about that other than if we touch it, we die. Well, then we just won't touch it. We can kill it from a range. I can't. That's that's on you. I have to do what I can to protect people. You can't protect anyone if you're dead. We might be able to find something that we could do about it later when it's not coming right at us. But we don't know what's happening right now. Maybe this is just where it lives. Um, Maybe we're on its turf. I'm going to make a persuasion roll as well. Yeah, me too. Just to let you know, as a rule, I won't necessarily let players make persuasion rolls to try to convince other players to do something. Those rolls <laughs> might affect Olivia's decision to have Tirza listen to 
your characters, mm-hmm. but at the end of the day, it will be her decision whether or not her character does a thing. Barring the use of mind control magic, obviously. Sure. Uh, then, uh, then I think I'm just, I'm just gonna say what I was gonna say. Yeah. Um, with the role, but I'm not, I take, take back the role. None of you saw it anyway, so. Mm-hmm. you Um, I just, I like grab Tears' hands and I say, I know it's hard, but you of all people know that, you know, death is coming. We just, we can't save these people. But we can save other people once we get out of here. Yeah, I'm going to go with you guys, but I'm unhappy about it. This is out of character, by the way. Um, <laughs> Tears, I will remember this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think she doesn't say anything. I think she pulls her hands out of yours, Jared. Yeah. Jared, remember this. Episode one, friendship ended. Uh, <laughs> oh, that was quick. Yeah. And actually, yeah, I think she she walks out of the alley and says, and basically looks back and in the most preteen way possible goes, well, fine then. Go wherever we're supposed to be going then. And like like walks off, but then is like waiting for you guys to come get me. And I just do a look at Cherish like, (laughs) how far down the alley have I made it? Uh, waiting for them. Yeah, once you're in the alley, it's a pretty clean shot. There's not a lot of people in here. Uh, in fact, now that you're in the alley, it's like, why weren't we doing this the whole time? There are less people in the alleys. Mm. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Glad I thought of it. <laughs> the brains of the operation, clearly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Tirzo, which way did you charge off towards? Eight. Well, wait, was Grawl already walking away? Yeah, Grawl never stopped walking away. No. <laughs> Part of one. Uh, one. Well, then I think I, I think she, yeah, I think she walks to the opening of the alley, <laughs> but then like when the two of them started following, are you guys following Brawl? Yes. Yeah. Oh, then I think she's just like, fuck it, fine. Follows behind these guys. Okay. Moving down the alley, eventually it opens up into a small square that looks like this was once a place with, like, a fountain, and there aren't any stalls or vendors set up here, but there is clearly uh, minstrels and a band. This was perhaps where the music you heard was coming from before. And there's this big open square in front of the fountain where clearly people were dancing along to this happy, festive music. Streamers are in mid-flap in the air, still stuck in that strange blue-gray coloring. And as you enter the square, hovering just above the fountain itself, you see, above the frozen water, that strange, glowing, blue-white figure. This close, abruptly, you can see that its form is wrapped in strange, what look like bandages from head to toe. And the glow you're seeing is coming from where the bandages are slightly parted along their hips and arms just below the face. There is just this bright blue-white energy seeping out between the bandages. And within it, you can 
almost see these strange fractal patterns continuing to move in an infinite little lattice work within their form, and it's only the bandages that are stopping you from seeing whatever it is that is infinitely moving through time and space, inspecting these threads. And again, this figure, now that you're close, it looks vaguely feminine, but it's really impossible to say. And these strange wisps of bandages are moving all around its personage. And you can see that as it approaches one of the threads, some of those bandages sort of like begin to enfold themselves around the thread. And she will, with that gentle caressing motion, work her hands across the thread, looking up and down as though inspecting it. Um, excuse me. And then there's a, and suddenly she's right in front of you. Ah. Bandages flying out in every direction, staring at the group, her face moving in what almost looks like a panic, moving from one to each of you. I'm not grabbing it. I'm not grabbing it. I'm just touching um, the back of my neck. Hi. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so we... And her focus, laser, onto you. There's no um, features in the face. It's all wrapped up in bandages, but you can feel this thing's attention squarely on you. So, we don't have, uh, threads. And a wispy voice says, Threadless. Here. Yes, of course. Um, and we don't, we probably shouldn't be here, um, but we don't know how to not be here. Yes, it makes sense now. The center of the tangle. That's why it's here. Threadless. Can you help us? Yes. And you, in turn, can help me. You can help me understand. We'll do our best. Wait, 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 understand what? The tangle. You who are outside the weave. Okay. It is my duty to watch the skine, to see how it unravels, to measure the tangle, so that it may be undone. But you are on the outside. You can see much that I cannot. Okay. Um, um, tell us what to do. You will be tested. Four times. In a year and a day, the first test will come. If Primus deems it right, you Threadless will see this undone. Okay. What, what, what kind of tests? A year and a day. Prepare yourselves. I sort of turned to everyone else. I'm like... Did Primus mean anything to anyone? Uh... Give me a... Either Arcana or Religion. It's exactly the same for me. Nope. I uh, guess. Thirteen. Twenty-one. Olivia, what did you get? Ten. Ten. This one? Uh, I got a six. Six, okay. Uh, yeah, that name doesn't mean anything to any of you. 
Oh, shit. Wow. Damn. Damn. Wow. That would have been a very impressive get. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Love that band. <laughs> yeah, Les Claypool. Great. Yeah. Um, <laughs> something about a fisherman? I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell me the Tomcat. Uh, so, as you ponder over that and she says, prepare yourselves a year and a day, color and sound suddenly return to the world. There was an influx of just sudden bright sound and color and like everything went from sudden, very, very quiet and still and creepy to, oh my God, suddenly I'm in the middle of a giant parade. There's music and dancing and singing and people hawking their wares and it's just this assault of sound and noise and motion on top of you all at the same time. Uh, yeah, I kind of like wince like in pain. Yeah, there's definitely uh, I'm, a physical reaction, like, ah. <laughs> I make for my, my sword, because it's, like, right. just startling. Uh, does anybody, do other people notice that we've suddenly appeared out of nowhere? There are a couple of startled looks, and, like, people getting, at, like, suddenly going, ah, jumping out of the way as the four of you appear in the center of this square, but for the most part, it's written off as just like, well, it's festival. People just like rush out of the crowd. And there's after a moment, there's just more motion and noise and dancing and laughter as the festival continues on. Does some, does some dumb little kid like tug on their dad's shirt and point at us and it's like, look, the new people are here. <laughs> Langler's deep cut. <laughs> Anyway, nice. <laughs> oh, a nose hold. Um. Uh. Yeah. So that was weird. What the? F what the fuck just happened? That was whack as hell, as the kids say. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. That would be us. Um. <laughs> I'm sorry I stole the dagger and I, I give it back to you. Oh, well, thank you, Sid. Honestly, yeah. I'd kind of forgotten about it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if this is why this, all this happened. I feel like some kind of moral karmic <laughs> justice, but here you go. Oh, thanks. So. Well. Oh, I sort of we sort of disappeared. Yeah. I hope my mom's not super worried. She probably is super worried. Yeah. Well. See you guys next year. Yeah. <laughs> we all jump up and go, yeah, yeah. Do the high five. Uh, what do you, what are you guys, what are you guys doing? What, I don't have any plans. Um. For the rest of the festival, how long are you guys going to be in town? Mm, we'll probably be here the whole time. Should we maybe do do some research, figure out what what happened? That's a good idea. Uh, yeah, and uh, I I Grawl will say yes. Where's your Where's the closest library? That's a good question. Um, where would the closest library be? Give me a history check, Sid. 
I'll give you advantage on this because you've been in the city your whole life. Yeah. Uh, twelve. You have no idea. You've never been to a library. I mean, that is true. I don't think they let me in. <laughs> you know that certain noble houses have large stocks of books. Sometimes they have personal libraries. But yeah. if if there's a big public library, you don't know about it. I mean, that sounds like a hoity-toity thing. So my guess is going to be Old Haven. But I don't spend a lot of time in Old Haven. Uh, Raw will ask uh, uh, Sid if he can direct him towards Old Haven. Yes. Um, and you just point east to the, the walled section of the city. Because how Stormhaven mm-hmm. is set up is there is a, a walled central old town that was the original city, and then urban sprawl as it is sort of crept out so that the rest of Stormhaven is this big urban sprawl around this central walled-off section of the city where all the original guild halls are located. Uh, the the river that runs through Stormhaven skirts the, the southwestern edge of the wall and sort of wraps its way through the center of what is now the entirety of the city. Uh, yeah, from north from the northeast, or the northwest, to the southeast. Okay. And what kind of guilds are in the guild halls? All manner. If there is a profession, there is a guild for it. So probably uh, more arcane guilds as well. Like a... There are those who study magic in Stormhaven, though you know that the vast majority of... Ar- this would be general knowledge for everyone. The, the most concentrated location of arcane lore is the college run by the old mage just on the southern shore of Lake Quelio. The old mage who keeps the valley safe, who protects everyone from the outer storm. It's her doing that everyone is alive today, surviving the events of 500 years ago when magic went mad. That might be her. Very misguided. And you know that if if there are wizards or arcane scholars in the valley, they will eventually study with her, if they're of a reputable nature. There might be, like, other stranger methods of research, but you wouldn't know them. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that might be our best bet. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what your guys' schedule looks like. <laughs> um, well, so... the. Wizards and stuff who study with her, like, they don't just stay there forever, do they? Like, do they... No, it's an apprenticeship program. Yeah. It's usually, like, a five-year knowledge course in which you go to study and learn underneath the old mage and learn the ways of magic. We should probably find a wizard, then. There's gotta be a wizard here somewhere. Probably. Um, and looking around, you can see that there is a uh, youngish-looking elf woman staring at the four of you. She sits on the edge of the fountain and has this intense stare about her as she stares at the four of you. And she says, and her voice cutting through the crowd, 
in a way that is a little disturbing, actually. No one else seems to think she's shouting or anything, but her voice cuts to the fore of your ears in a way that is just like she's right next to your head. Spooky. And she says, So you're looking for a wizard, then? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm looking for a library. <laughs> we have many needs. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Preferably a wizard inside of a library. That would I'm also feeling better. a bit peckish. Oh, yeah, Who is also a purveyor of, of, of tasty goods. <laughs> well, I can certainly help with most of those concerns. Please, uh, come. And she's gesturing from like 50 feet away, and it sounds like her voice is right next to your head. Okay, I make my way over to her. Mm-hmm. What does she look like? She is an elf woman of indeterminate age. It's really tough to tell with their kind. Once they reach a certain age, they could be anywhere from 50 to 700. Mm-hmm. She is wearing alabaster robes, so white that it almost hurts to look at. It's reflecting light in such a way. It's got silver and gold filigree along the, the breast and down past the hips, and leaning on the fountain just to her right is this brilliant staff that looks like it's made of adamantine, mithril, and crystal, all wrapped around in this triple helix. I, I put out my hand and I say, Hi, my name's Sid. And she said, Sid, it's lovely to meet you. My name is Zenerva. And you immediately stop, like, mid-handshake, because you know that is the name of the old mage. Uh Add her to the the party. You're, like, like named after the um, the old mage, you know, like... No, not precisely. No. No. Like it's, I mean, I don't know if it's a common name, but like it's I not. It's it's really not. People. No, no, because you're not. Oh my gosh! Oh my no. gosh, you guys! Cheers is so starstruck. <laughs> Though I would say that perhaps being displaced in time is not exactly common either, Sid. Uh, so you saw that? You saw? You saw? I didn't see anything. But it is my job to keep this valley safe, and when someone tears a hole in time, I am alerted to such things. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what happened. It was really spooky. There was a big thing, and it like could kill you when you touch when it touched you. And there was a, 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 a witch of some sort, and I just kind of like spew like everything. Mm-hmm. Just, like, and she listens like, intently, and in the same way that you felt the witch's intense gaze upon you, Cherish, you feel as though this woman's attention never leaves you, even though she is looking directly at Sid. And the rest of you feel the same way. It feels like this woman is staring at you, even when she's not. Hmm. And so, do you, so do you know what happened? Do you know what 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 happened? 
And you're just... you're stuck still there, your hand like outstretched as though waiting for a handshake, sort of just like gesturing with it. And she's ne- she never yeah. reached out to like shake your hand. Oh, cool. You don't do handshakes. That's fine. I don't judge. Ah. And she says, clearly there was some kind of chronomantic anomaly. Four of you were taken someplace which you shouldn't have been. Yeah. And you encountered a creature that shouldn't have been either. The witch said it was there because of us. Pierce has been silent this whole time, guys. Mm -hmm. And the old mage holds a very peculiar position within the faith of the Jerashir. She is, at the same time, a savior and someone who is inevitably going to fail. She has this sort of doomed messiah complex among your faith. She is someone who is struggling so hard to do something that is obviously going to end in calamity and misery. Yeah. Are are we distracting you from the... And I sort of gesture at the storm, just generally. And never it, it never feels like she takes her eyes off you but she clearly glances down at a strange looking circular device that she pulls up out of a pocket in her robe glances at its odd face and quickly you realize that it is a clock a clock much smaller than anything you've ever seen before she glances at it and says no i still have i still have a few hours Um, That's not ominous. But it's the four of you that concern me now. What the witch said there at the end. Tests. Yeah. And to prepare yourselves. And something about Primus, do you know what that means? Perhaps. That was fairly obtuse. Mm I'm sorry, I'm still very starstruck, but that was really obtuse. (laughs) And she's looked directly at you and sort of glances from the tip of your tail to the tip of your horns and says, Yes. So the four of you need to prepare somehow. How do you plan to do that? Training montage. Um, I don't even know what happened uh, so I don't know how I could possibly prepare for what is to come she was very vague and did not specify how we should prepare the creature you encountered is called a skine witch they're observers Weavers of fate and destiny. Though you might not have realized it at the time, she connected the four of you in some way. I can't say precisely how, and I can't say precisely what will come of it, but if she plans on testing you, 
The fate of this valley may very well depend on your success in those tests. Hmm. For because while you were in this between place, this grey path, I cannot protect you. This is just, sorry, this is a lot to process. Um, what? Hmm. So you don't know why, why me, why us? You, you, you don't know why. Like, I'm not. I'm sure that will become clear as these tests proceed. But in the meantime, I think the four of you require tutelage, require training, require guidance. Would you disagree? I no. require a library. Uh, I don't know what... Grawl, you need a library. I can perhaps help with that. Tirza, is there something you require? Can you teach me how to kill that thing? Perhaps. I'll contact your mentors among the Jerashir, see what can be done to enhance your tutelage. Cherish, what can be done for you? I think subconsciously my hand has slipped into my skirt pocket, which has the letter in it, and I'm sort of like clutching at it and... I, I say to her, I have some innate magical abilities that I'm still learning about. I just need to get better at it. I think that can be helped as well. Sid? Well, here's the thing. Uh, I'm already pretty good at sword fighting so I don't I'm not, I'm not seeing what 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 can be brought to the table here I I, I feel let, let's just say I know what I'm doing with with my sword here very well if you need only that I leave you to your own devices that I can do as well how about this how about I take on any of the best swordsmen in, in, in the city. <laughs> Grawl slowly reaching for his sword. <laughs> and she gives like a low chuckling laugh and says, you are so much like your mother. You knew my mom? Of course. She didn't tell me about that. There's much she probably didn't teach you. Yeah, she was a. Uh, uh, she was pretty quiet about a lot of things uh, before me. Well, if what you require is simply to be left alone, I can accommodate that. Just no, not necessarily. Just you know. 
I want to make sure I'm as uh, good as I think I am. Very well, then. You will be tested as well. So a year and a day. In a year and a day, you will have to reconvene to face the tests of this witch. To solve whatever riddles she puts forward towards you. In a year and a day, you will reconvene to, perhaps, take the first step in saving this valley from whatever doomed fate she predicts. Until then, you must work hard, learn, train, <laughs> and she looks over at Sid and gives a little snide laugh, overcome personal weaknesses. <laughs> I like... That's not a very nice thing to say about. I mean, Cherish is right there. <laughs> oh, fuck you. <laughs> Grawl taps uh, um, Cherish on the shoulder and is just like, Modest is hardest. <laughs> <laughs> and she says, Cherish and Grawl, you have my solemn invitation to enter my keep on the shores of Lake Quelio. Tirza, I will be in contact with your mentors among the Jerashir to see if we can't expand your tutelage some. And Sid? Yeah? Watch your back. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have been for the last five years, so I'll continue to do so. We'll see if we can't sharpen you a bit. And as she says that, she finally stands up off of the fountain where she's been sitting this entire time. And she'll move over to the staff that's leaning against the the fountain's edge and gently pick it up with a hand. And she's not even really, like, gripping it. She's just sort of cradling it in her hand. And she'll say, I'll see some of you very soon. And glancing over at Sid, and some of you not at all. <laughs> Bird. I hope your year is a fruitful one. And the image of her that is standing there just blinks out of existence. Wow. Oh, I should have gotten her autograph. <laughs> and I think we're going to leave it there for now and uh, pick up this adventure next time. After a year has passed, so in our next episode, we will be picking back up with these players after a year of training, a year of hardship, and uh, perhaps a year of some lessons learned. We'll see. But uh, in the meantime, is there anything anyone wants to plug? This is going to be released like way after we record it, so if there's any yeah. Twitter handles or anything you want to talk about now? Um... Yeah, I said mine, so if they okay. can't remember it, they can rewind it or die. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't have anything to plug at the moment. Okay. Well, 
As always, you can listen to me ramble on about comic books with two other huge nerds over on uh, Panel on Panels, the podcast all about all things comics and comics related. Uh, you can follow us, Material Components, at MattComRPG on Twitter. You can email us at MaterialComponentsRPG at gmail.com. Uh, you can check out our website, which is materialcomponentsrpg.com, for the latest in all things material components. Uh, eventually, I'll be hoping to get links to uh, Duskwalker import and export up there, if they're not up there already. Uh, we'll see if we can't have a continually rotating stock of items appearing in the store, is my hope. Um, and who knows, that might already be a thing by the time this show launches, so we'll see. But if not, it's because I'm being lazy. Uh, but if that is all I have been uh, Mike Rigoni, your humble dungeon master and I wish you all a good whenever it is you're listening to this yes, thank you so much uh, for watching the show thanks guys I hope you're as excited as we are (laughs) bye bye toodles